Yo, people always ask me what kind of frames I'm rocking. I've been rocking Caddis for a couple years. They make amazing progressive readers, which I wear. Also, they make sunglass readers, anti-glare, anti-smudge coating, anti-scratch, and anti-aging. That's why I look mad young when I wear them. I'm just kidding. Um, but they make amazing frames. Caddis, so stoked to have you guys part of the podcast. You can go to caddislife.com slash Toby10 and get $10 off your first purchase. Stoked. Thank you, Caddis. Welcome to the fam. Yo, yo, Liquid Death. Thank you so much for hydrating all my guests taking care of me and my family and my friends. Love your water. Love your brand. Love what you stand for. Love you give back to the community. If you want to learn more about Liquid Death and how it started, listen to episode 115 with the co-founder, owner, and creator of Liquid Death, Mike Cesario. Just a punk rock skateboarding kid from Delaware with a dream. It's an incredible story, incredible journey. They have now blessed me with my own code. So if you go liquiddeath.com slash Toby, you get free shipping on any items you order from liquiddeath.com. Thank you so much, Liquid Death. Death to plastic, murder your thirst, stay hydrated. You know H2O saves lives. Welcome to the One Life One Chance podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morris. Today, to the right of me, I got my brother from another mother back on the podcast, Mr. Derek Green. He's been gone for a minute. What's up? Welcome back, Derek. And then sitting in front of me, we got Mr. Seth. I'm just going to call you Seth. People know you're shifty. I'm going to call you Seth because you're an adult. Yes, I'm an adult. You're a grown ass man. <laughs> But Shifty is a dope name. Thank Shifty you. Shifty Shellshot. Shifty Shellshot. And, wh- and, wh- and where, did that, where did that come from, that name? Who, who called you that? Okay. Yeah. Well, what happened started? is I was, I was Kaya when I was younger. Kaya? Because weed was the most important thing in my life. Is this life. a graffiti name or some shit or no? Well, I was back one. Like, growing okay. up in L.A., like, I, you know, um, I grew up doing, like, one of my first endeavors. In, in <laughs> chaos was graffiti and so like i'm from cbs okay and, yeah another crew yeah and yeah. uh awr and west coast and so you started writing that i started writing at it was the first thing and it's, it's a cool story but uh graffiti probably 12 years old i was Damn. just killing it like that's crazy i grew up in new york so it was definitely different graffiti vibes there compared to the west coast that's kind of where i found um because I was born in L.A., but my dad moved to, uh, took us t- to Boston because he, he, oh, he was in the advertising business. Yeah. So he got a good gig out there. So I went to Boston. <clears throat> and I really, there was, you know, there was, Boston's all about punk rock. So I grew, grew up totally. around. I worked at a little skate shop there when I was little. Nice. Putting together. I, I always worked at, I worked at Rip City also for a long time. But yeah. So I worked at a skate shop and, you know, it was all about music and skateboarding. And so my dad, my uncle lived in uh, the soup factory in Brooklyn. Okay. So we would go, my dad would take us for little, me especially, to, for little trips into Brooklyn. And that's where I found hip hop. And nice. it was right across from like these projects where I was like, I would like be on the street with these little kids and like run DMC would go down the street in a limo and we would all chase the limousine. Holy shit. And uh, I remember like being in these rap circles that were across the street from my uncles and I was so little. And that's where I saw like battle rapping and like I remember like Roxanne, Shanti and like all these crazy people that were massive were like just there rapping and i'd like watching wow, wow. and so uh what year was that 80s or something or i mean yeah we're talking Damn. early 80s yeah. yeah and so and so uh and that's where like you know i got my first boom box and, and i and i really like i was break dancing that was my big thing so I, I learned break dancing and i'd go up there and i'd take like what i learned in brooklyn back to the kids in boston and I had like nice. Boston wired because I because I would put out my cardboard and it's like a full boating town like yeah. <laughs> tourist. I lived in Marblehead, which is like the lobster 
<laughs> you know, you know, it's like lobsters and you know, boats. <laughs> and basically, uh, I would set up my cardboard and my boombox, and I would make a killing because they were like, "What is this kid doing?" And I'd break dance down there, and I like it's my first little bank account called the Circuit Breakers. Circuit Breakers. Yeah, and I, and Sick. and my mom was like, "You're killing it." I'd come home with like three hundred bucks a day, like you know. Wow. I'm like wow. 11, 10, 10, 11 years old. You doing windmills and shit like that too? You know what? I, I'd be lying. Windmills <laughs> was. Like, <clears throat> I could almost do them, but no. I was really good at flares and oh yeah, yeah. popping and all, all my stuff. But windmills was that one. Like I, I could do it, but I, I I'm no, I couldn't do it. Yeah, <laughs> I had a lot I, of freedom as a kid, like to to yeah roam. Like, what were your parents? Uh, what were they doing uh, as far as strict career wise? Yeah, or? yeah. Um, well, my dad, my, it's a cool story. My dad, uh, my dad grew up in Palm Springs mm-hmm. in Indiana, but my dad, <clears throat> when he was like in high school, he start he was a cartoonist. So he oh, started cool. a card company called Card Co. And when, before he graduated, when he was in like 12th grade, he had the idea to make miniature greeting cards that you could put on the counter. Cause he was like, mm. if you could put them on the counter by the register, then people would see them. Mm-hmm. And so he made these like novelty little cards and Hallmark bought it for a million dollars back then. Oh shit. They bought the idea. So then that like launched my dad into a career of advertising. Gotcha. And then he was uh, best friends with Marshall chess okay. from chess records. So my dad, uh, then he went from doing greeting cards to starting an advertising agency in Chicago and he started doing all the album covers for Chess Records. Oh, wow. And um, that's kind of where I found music is really yeah, because yeah, yeah. like I had like Buddy Miles teaching me how to play the drums. And, wow. And, Damn. Uh, and my dad uh, <laughs> was just cool, man. He was, yeah. he, he was a young hippie with lots of money mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, blew it. You know, my dad, my dad had a, a drug problem like myself. Okay. So, you know, back then, I don't think he was ever as dark as I got, but yeah, cocaine and him had a, you know, tight relationship. And so he went from Chess Records and, and Marshall Chess managed the Rolling Stones. Yeah. So Damn. then um, <clears throat> they were making the first rock and roll documentary. One of the first rock and roll documentaries called Ladies and Gentlemen, the Rolling Stones, which my dad got to direct. Oh, wow. And uh, that's where he met my mom, who was a producer and I was conceived. OK. Well, they were nice. doing that. She was a producer. Yeah, she was helping produce that. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. You have any siblings too? I have two little sisters. Oh wow! Okay. And uh, yeah, so anyway, so I grew up around music, and yeah, and you know, even though my dad wasn't a musician, I got to be around a lot of it. Yeah. And and you got the best of both worlds: like music, graffiti, skateboarding, punk rock. Yeah, yeah, it was it was, awesome. it was yeah. a good life, you know. And, yeah. and my dad, although my dad really pulled off being a great father, even though he had. His, his, his yeah, addiction yeah. and would disappear a lot. It, like that he had an addiction. Like how old were you? Around? Probably too young. You know, right. I, yeah. I, I was a smart kid. Like I remember, uh, I was kind of traumatized by it. Like I remember him going into the bathroom. I, I would always go, at a young age. I decided school wasn't for me, and I remember <laughs> my dad would drop me off at school, and by the time he got home, I'd be sitting there. Oh my god! And he'd go, "Why the fuck are you leaving school?" And I said, "Because my teacher's an asshole." <laughs> and my dad went and met the teacher, and he said, "You're right." She's, <laughs> She's an asshole. You come to work with me. Wow. How? So, what grade did you, did you leave school? What grade was that? You think? Third grade. Holy wow. fuck. So, third grade. I I didn't entire, completely leave, but 
I started going to work with my dad. Yeah, that's cool. And uh, he would, you know, give me notepads and teach me about art. And and uh, I'd get to hang out with musicians and stuff like that. And I had a great time. Yeah. <clears throat> I did go back to school. It was just like for that <laughs> year, I'd, you know, but I, I always was a uh, rebel when it came to school. <laughs> yeah. I was always getting in trouble, writing on everything, getting kicked out of this school. Yeah. Getting in Tagging fights. the school. Tagging up the school. They'd like come in the next day and like, I remember I stole all this like fluorescent orange spray paint from a construction site. Oh shit. And I bombed the whole school. And then, and then the next morning, you know, they called me into the office because some kid said that's his name. And, oh shit. And I, and I was like, I had, I had the paint like all in my nails. Yeah, of course. I was just like hot red handed literally. Fuck. And so, uh, you know, I I would get in trouble. There was, I mean, there was things that I did. I was great in art. Yeah. <laughs> I was great in some things. Right, yeah. right. I loved history. I loved th certain things. But I also think I had some uh, learning disabilities. I had this one teacher that was like, I had a problem with math. Maybe I like learned slower than the other kids or numbers, yeah. dyslexia, whatever you want to call it. Um, and she would kind of put me on blast in front of the mm. class and make me feel stupid. Yeah. And so like my my reaction to that was... To rebel. rebel. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so you, what were your goals? Like, what were your goals at that point, that young? Did you want to do music? Did um, you think about it? Absolutely. From from the second yeah. I started breakdancing, I think my first cassette was Herbie Hancock. And uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I rapped, like, you know, um, I had, I think in, in Marblehead, um, I had my little couple friends the crew and yeah. we, you know we found the fat boys and we found run dmc yeah and we would break dance and we had linoleum i have all these like little pictures and and it's cool then once i got into hip-hop i started writing my own lyrics but where i totally decided like is when i heard the bc boys album and oh, that was yeah. when we were moving back to la i was i was 11 years old and my dad put us into we were in Cabo San Lucas. Okay. Well, he looked for a new house, but he was really like partying. And so we were down there for like two months. Damn. And there was this kid uh, who, uh, Jonas DeCrassel, who I haven't seen. Shout out to Jonas. <laughs> shout out to anyway, Jonas if you listen. Shout now. out to Jonas if you listen. No. But um, <laughs> so anyway, his, he had this hot older sister that I was in love with. And they were like staying next to us. And his sister would take us for a ride in the Jeep, and she had the Beastie Boys album. Wow. And I remember when they left, I was like, I need this. And I stole the cassette. Like, you know, it was, yeah, I stole it. <laughs> I took it. I was like, they're not leaving with this cassette. So I took the cassette, and I learned every, you know, lyric to the Beastie Boys, and I wrote my own verse, and I would perform my own verse for my That's sisters cool. and my mom. And, you know, basically, I felt like the fourth Beastie Boy. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, not the fifth Beatle. Yeah. <laughs> Such a game changer record to Beastie Boys too, because yeah. I thought it, they were black. It's just you did. Yeah, before, before I didn't have any <laughs> photos or anything at the time. I was so young, and I was like, oh yeah. And then that's like people think the Bad Brains are white before they saw the Bad Brains play too. Yeah, that's a true story too. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, Beastie Boys because they encompass skateboarding, punk rock, and everything we loved all in one. You know, exactly. Like, For yeah. me, it was like, yeah. this is it because I be obviously because I had rock influences and punk yeah. rock, and I was like, this is it. Yeah. Okay. I. And so basically I ran with that. I got to L.A. And I was just that kid. I had a little rap book. I moved back to L.A. just in time to like turn 12 or 13. Jeez. And I was like, I'm going to tear it up. I told my friends in Boston, I'm going to, <laughs> going to L.A. It's over. 
<laughs> you know? So I was ready. I got to L.A. <clears throat> and the crazy thing is, when we got to L.A., we were still looking for a house. And there was this place called the Regency Suites. It was kind of like an Oakwood apartment. Where oh, you Oakwood, get these yeah, furnished the apartments. But this one was on um, Hollywood Boulevard in Fairfax. Okay. It's a long story. But anyway, no, I was no. there. And um, it was cool because when I was there... There was a lot of musicians who stayed in there as well. And my dad was working at his new job. And like some really cool stuff happened. Like Stevie Wonder was staying there. Damn. And he took me into his room and played the piano for me. Some like wow. really cool memories. And there was like a couple rock bands that were teaching me how to like write lyrics. Um, and then remember Divine from Hairspray? Yeah. Died upstairs while I was staying there. Oh, that's and I watched place. him take, oh, wow. take him out on this stretcher. And it was like... I was like, this is Hollywood for oh, yeah. real. Like, I was like, life is crazy. And then l many years later, when I got my record deal, it had turned into apartments, and I moved back into the same one. Yeah, my brother, my brother lived in the same apartments. Yeah. My brother Tracy lived there when you lived there. He used to see you with your dog, because I remember Divine had lived there. That's right. Yeah, wow, so it was like a world. sentimental thing to me. Like, when I got a little dough, I was like, I'm going to move there. Yeah. So I moved there. <laughs> I got my apartment. And uh, But Dang. anyway, <clears throat> I used to skateboard from there, you know, as far as I could go. Yeah. <laughs> as, a, as a small child and right on the corner of Fairfax and Sunset yeah. there was the Arco and there was a graffiti yard back there back in the day Okay, and that's where I would go and I was like oh this is dope and I would sit there all day and that's where I met Skate from CBS okay. and I met uh, Risky from West Risky Coast yeah. and I watched them and I kind of like I was like this I gotta do so basically, that's how I got in CBS, and those yeah. guys all loved me, and I started writing my name on everything, and they were like, that's you? And I was just rolling around. <laughs> I even got a, uh, it's funny, I, I had a job, my mom's like, you gotta get a job. So I like rolled down to, there was, now it's a uh, Danku chicken, but anyway, there was a, <laughs> there was a Kentucky Fried Chicken there, mm -hmm. and I had that place wired, because I was like making out with this girl who was worked there in the back room, and she'd give me free chicken littles, and then I had like... <laughs> I had I had the graffiti yard right there, and then like my mom's like get a job, and I remember I had a job like selling maps to the stars' homes because I was oh, like shit. I'm gonna meet all these chicks who want to see Hollywood, so I was like that's a good job for at twelve, and then I ended up like getting in a car with these and lost the job very quickly because like these cute girls were like come with us, <laughs> so I just took off and threw my maps and, like and <laughs> crazy man. But anyway, so that was like my beginning of moving. But to you were LA. young hanging out though, for sure. Young. Super yeah. young hanging out in the streets. I was yeah. young, and then you know, then we moved from we we ended up getting a house in Boston. I mean, not in Boston, in 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 uh, Westwood. Okay, Westwood. Yeah. So I moved to Westwood Village, like right by UCLA, and uh, that's when it really begins, you know, because yeah. I met all the, you know, juvenile delinquents who hung out in Westwood and posers and Westwood locals and mm -hmm. a lot of kids partying hard. And <clears throat> I was the graffiti kid. And we had, I had like my office up at Carl's Jr. And, <laughs> Carl's yeah, and I was just chill post up there. Post up over there, yeah. Post up there. And we had, we'd steal spray paint from like all the spots. And wow. all these girls would come up there and get dropped off. Young, beautiful girls would get dropped off by their parents to go to the movies. Uh huh. And I would, you know, be the fucking bad kid on the corner that they'd end up dating. 
Yeah. And uh, it worked out well for me. I had a whole little thing going on there. It was pretty yeah. cool. You were like the bad boy on the other side of the tracks, like the girls. Yeah, that, yeah. I'd be like, what up? Yeah. <laughs> I saw that movie. What are you doing? Forget the movie. Come drink 40s with us. You know? <laughs> oh, so, uh, Just hanging out from the movie theater. Yeah, yeah. It was the spot. And we had the arcade, you know. It was yeah. cool. It was, what, it was good times. Like the, what, like mid-80s, right? Yeah, mid-80s. And, you know, but there was like older kids. There was kids like, yeah, there right. was like straight like, Gangsters up in up right. in Westwood too, mm-hmm. you know, like macking on the college girls. Like it, we we had a group of us that were like probably between the ages of like thirty and and twelve, <laughs> and we we're like all partying together, you know. Thirty, that's crazy. <laughs> and it was our crew, you know. Yeah, and like, you know, like I I remember I'd get like start shit with like older kids, and I just knew I had like five like villains behind me if it got mm-hmm. too scary so i'd like my mouth just i'd run off to yeah first. and i'd always like i was pretty scrappy i was gonna ask you a scrappy kid i was yeah. a real scrappy kid but at the same time like i kind of knew like no one can touch me because these guys all have my back mm. so it was like <clears throat> i wasn't really getting beat up ever yeah <laughs> which is good were you were your parents i mean i believe me i got my ass whipped but were your parents worried about you daily. being out there were huh? your parents yeah, worried about they? you being out there running the streets my mom like I had so much love, like such yeah. a great family. My mom's like a hippie, you know, she's cool. Yeah. She was like, if you're going to party with your friends, do it at the house, mm-hmm. you know, be safe like, and shit. Yeah. And be safe. I just want you guys to be safe. Like she knew she couldn't stop us from doing what we were going to do. And so my yeah. house became like a haven for like parents, kids, like for the kids whose parents didn't understand, they moved in with me. Yeah. So like DJ AM lived oh, with me. Oh shit. And like that was like one of my boys I remember like I helped him, you know, he, he escaped from rehab and I like wow. went and got him and he came and lived with me for a while and <clears throat> you know, like my mom was always like, They can stay here, you know, Will I am stayed with me for a while, but he wasn't a bad kid. He was a good right. kid. Right. I had that, him on the podcast. Kid. He gave you major props. <clears throat> oh really? He gave yeah. you so much props on the podcast. Yeah, yeah I love he Will, loves you. That's my brother. And um but just you know, it was a melting pot, you know? Yeah. And we were all you know, but I was always looking out for my, my friends and, 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 you know, me, Scotty Khan, Alchemist. Scotty Khan. <clears throat> that yeah. was our crew. We had the Doobie Brothers, Chaz. Like, um, they were the hooligans, right? That rap group they had back then, too. The hooligans. I was the <laughs> third member of the hooligans. Wow. You know, but I, you know, that was not Scotty really. Khan's group with Alchemist back yeah, in the yeah. day. Yeah, basically, like, they got their record deal. Okay. I, I had been rapping, but they just, like, nailed it. All of a sudden, that, that brought me in from being, like, the little street corner kid, graffiti kid to learning the business side because mm. all of a sudden I went to hanging out with them. It was really, it was their group. Yeah. I was just their best friend. Okay. So like I went on tour and ended up like- You went toward I, House of Pain too or something back then. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine being these little like LA street kids and then your best friend gets signed to Tommy Boy. All yeah. we did is smoke weed all day Huge and rap. At Huge yeah. at the time. It, it, massive. And all of a sudden he's recording his album with Lethal, Be yeah. Real, you know, Mugs. And I'm in the studio every day just watching, soaking it up, learning, mm. just going, this is it. This is what I want to do. I'm hanging out at Buzztone. You know, I remember I went to the, like, Buzztone was like, we're signing this new band. They're playing across the street. Like, it was right there on Robertson by, okay. by the log cabin. And uh, there was that, what, what is that bar? Like, there was that club across the street. Not from Buzztown. Buzztown was like 666 Robertson. It's I not Troubadour. I know that stuff over there, the area. No. No, I mean, there, there was the Troubadour, but right on Robertson, like, if you, Across the street, okay. like literally like five buildings up, there was like a nightclub. It was like a, anyway, okay. long story short, they had like this basement. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went down there with like Happy Walters and like oh, shit. All, all the, you know, Soul Assassins kids. And they were like, we're signing this new band. And it was Corn. 
Oh, oh wow. And so like I saw their like showcase. Damn. And I was like, these guys are badass. So then there was a side of me that was learning, you know, the whole hip hop thing. And I remember like I was kind of quiet. I was always watching, right? So I, but I always worked my way. Like if you look at the first Hooligans video, <laughs> I mean, I'm, You're all, in that over, oh, I'm okay. all over it. Like I, I definitely worked my way into being their flavor flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there. Like I was. I was. That's your boys though. Yeah. Yeah. Those me. are my boys. So, but, uh, I remember watching it and then, then I started seeing rage and I started seeing Damn. it. And, and so I was like, I want to do something a little different. I want to incorporate a band <clears throat> and kind of was sticking to my beastie boy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Roots. And I remember like being on the set of the, of the hooligans video and like smoking a joint and B real was like, so, so what do you want to do? And I was like, I want to rap. I'm going to rap. But I never <laughs> like was like out in the front saying what I wanted to do. He's yeah. Like, it's like that's dope, man. If you want to rap, you can do this. You can do that shit. So I was like, <laughs> you know, I had uh, these guys that were my idols that yeah. were like, kind of your peers and shit. Yeah, giving me the confidence to to believe I could do it. But I remember the one time, it wasn't Madison Square Gardens. I always say, I don't. It's it's a huge auditorium in New York. Mm. Um, it was massive, and I remember that it was. It was, uh, um, it was Cypress, House of Pain, Rage Against the Machine. I remember that tour. I saw that tour in New York, actually. I lived and, there then. And we played, uh, I wish I knew the play. Yeah. Whatever. It was massive. Mm -hmm. Whatever Roseland? it was, it felt like Maybe Madison Roseland. Maybe Roseland. Yeah, I think it was Roseland. Roseland. It was, I it saw was that Roseland. show. I was there. Okay. I was at Roseland, okay. and that was the first big show that the hooligans got to play. Yeah. And I remember they came out on stage, and Sorry. they were just getting their feet wet. And uh, they came out on stage, but they... They were so f far back on the stage that all the people in the front of the audience couldn't see them. Mm. And so I remember, um, I think it was Sendog came up to me and goes, Seth, get him to the front of the stage. <laughs> Handed me a mic. Oh, I was shit. like, oh, it's on. So I went and grabbed him and pulled him to the front of the stage. And then they looked at me and they're like, all right, whatever, Seth's got a mic. So I got to rock with him. Wow, and New York. And to top it all off, me and Scotty had taken like a Lemon 714. So we were like, I, I was just like, it was like the most, it was emphasized. Like it was. It What's was, a Lemon 7? What is that? It's yeah, a real know. Quaalude. Okay. okay. I, was <laughs> like, I was like, I have no idea what that I is. Know. It's like the real <laughs> Lemon 7s. Like they were like half yellow and half white. Okay. And there was a bunch of fake Quaalude. ones. Quaaludes wow. old school. Old, old school. Old so school. I had like two beers, but it was like I drank 24 beers, but I wasn't sick. Right. And, <laughs> and I came out there with them. And I remember me and Scotty stage dived off the speakers. Oh, shit. Roseland. And we lost, you know, we got carried by the crowd. We lost our shoes. And then like I found him like you know, I think I found him and we were like, are you as fucked up as I am? And I was like, yes, this is fucking unbelievable. And it was kind of from that. But when I had the mic in my hand and I was in front of all those people, like I had been, believe me, I'd been at ballistics and rapping, yeah. but it was kind of like, I can do felt this. That, yeah. I felt like this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Done deal. Like yeah. it, that was the moment when I was. And it like, wasn't the Quaalude either. It was the energy of the crowd. It was everything. It was a mixture <laughs> of everything. It was a mixture of that moment. Just was like, this is my calling. Yeah, well, so, you're on stage. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, especially. yeah, just you get that energy from a massive crowd, and it was just, it was unbelievable. So then, you know, but I, you had no, you had no groups at that time. No, no, I had. I had, I, I, I had no, I had had. Yeah, I had okay. had four groups. This okay, is a little groups, pre. So, so <laughs> yeah, I had like many little. I always was trying, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, but I just was it straight hip hop or like punk? Did you have different diverse styles of bands before that? It was all always rap punk. Okay, okay. You know, like um, 
I like that rap punk. Rap punk. Because you're like hip hop metal. You don't hear rap punk. That's, right. that's different. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. You know. It was always hip hop, and then I was a. You know, I was the hip hop kid with a mohawk and a skateboard. It was yeah. always had that edge to me. And so and this is before the whole rap metal shit popped off though too though. What yeah, it, yeah, well, yeah, it was yeah, like we sure. were because and and then I was around Buzz Tone and that's when yeah. one of my favorite records of all time. There was the Big Blunts album, which was a lot of like rock bands doing stuff with hip hop artists. Yeah, and then there was the Judgment Night record. All right, fire, bro. And the Judgment Night record, I was Ooh. like, okay. This right. is it. Yeah. yeah. You know, when I heard Onyx and Slam was out and I heard Onyx right. and Biohazard and yeah. Hellman and all, all that it shit. It was definitely a big it, shift in music. You and and like, it was wow, like okay. the next level to me from the BC Boys. It was right. like, it wasn't harder. like, yeah, it was a little heavier and harder. And I was yeah. like, okay, this is it. So, um, Judgment, I was sick soundtrack. And just around the same time when I was younger, you know, I, 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 I uh, Will was, we went to Pali. I was in the Contin. He was in the good part, and uh, <laughs> and so we would meet up and rap. I think I'm. And at that time, wow. it was like it, it it started being a reality. Like the idea of a record deal. Like I remember we went to school with Ahmad, okay. And Ahmad had just put out back in the day, and it was blowing up. Damn, so like we yeah. saw our friends. We saw these kids getting record deals, oh, and yeah. I was like, this is obtainable. Right. This is not like yeah. just a dream. Like other people, you know, I'd be like, right. I'm going to be a rapper. They'd be like, dream on Seth. And I was right. like, no, nah, no, nah, I can do this. Yeah. So around that time, I had just gotten my license. I didn't even have a car yet. I would take my mom. My mom had like this sob. And I was like, <laughs> I was listening to like NWA and her sob. And like, and I was going to like all these like freestyle battles. And there was like Fat Cap on Melrose. It was like this that, little yeah. hood, like dope little store that was mm -hmm. like Hex had painted. Yeah. Hex was is such a great artist so yeah it was very like hip-hop la and then there was like there used to be like some hip-hop events over in the parking lot where they have the swap meet so basically like i was kind of wired into the hollywood kids as um and will wasn't but will was at school and i was like will mm -hmm. you know will was <laughs> on another level like this is before black eyed peas Oh yeah, this is pre yeah, all okay, that okay yeah but you know we would me and bernard my best friend who i started uh, crazy town with yep. and he grew up like uh, around Crenshaw he was bust in like Will to and me and Bernard Bernard was badass but that's like I could go and talk <laughs> about Bernard all day long but um, and so <clears throat> what happened is we'd all rap me Jesse yeah. Phelps we'd all rap and like meet up by the bleachers and, and do our thing it's cool and Will just shined so I was immediately an A&R guy I was like you're a fucking star Damn. I always gravitated toward kids I could learn from. Like, right. yeah, yeah. like I'd Make be like, better. if you intimidate me, then you're my friend. Like, cause I want to learn from you and we got to kick it. Um, it wasn't like I'd hate on people. I was like, yeah, I want like absorb it all. Yeah. Absorb it. And, and like, you know, so will would go home and he lived, he was living in, in, in downtown LA. And, yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I would call him and I'd be like, there's this new club, Ballistics. There's a freestyle competition. You're going to fucking win. He'd be like, Seth, how am I going to get there, man? I'd be like, I'm taking my mom's car. Like, I'm going to come get you. We're going to take you there. You're going to win. So I started taking Will there. And, you know, I would enter. I, I was always doing my thing, but I don't think I, I didn't have the eye of the tiger yet. I, yeah. I still felt I was in training. So yeah. I'd put Will up there and I was like, yo, check this kid out. Check this kid out. And he'd win every night. Boom, boom, Damn. boom. And I kept bringing him there. 
And like Homeboy in Eight Mile with Eminem his boy. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. It, it was the L.A. version, you know, of that. So basically, Will, Pfeiffer. Yeah, yeah, Will started winning, but there was some real people there, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and and so Will got scouted by Eazy E. Got his first record deal. That's right. Had the At Band Clan. I was also the fifth member of the At Band Clan. But no, like, you know, no. So the At Band Clan got their deal with Ruthless, and so That's all right. of a sudden. Will's got a record deal. I remember he went and got a new car, and I was so happy for him. I was just like, man, this kid deserves this. So he got his record deal, and then he was busy recording at this loft downtown. And Will, you know, Will always remembers where he came from and the people. Yeah. like so, so I guess, like, as a paying it forward thing, he was up. And, and when they sent him in, who was one of the producers in the, in the umbrella of Ruthless was Brent Mazur. Okay. And Brett Mazur ended up being my partner for Crazy Town. Brett yeah. Mazur had done Gotta Have a Roughneck. He had uh oh, he, did, yeah. he did like four songs on the Bell Bib DeVoe album. Wow. Um he did uh MC Search. Um anyway, so he like he, he was he was a young hip producer. Yeah. He had like been discovered and he had an older partner that was like Wolf and Epic. Wolf was a big R and B producer. Okay. And then he had done he had done Blood of Abraham. And so, and he had done some easy tracks, whatever. So when Will got signed, they sent him in to create with Brett. Sick. So Brett and him started working on the At Bang Clan album. And one night, Brett played him all these like more heavy beats that were a little bit more, you know, rock. Mm-hmm. And he yeah. was like, this is what I want to do. And he's like, but I need, I need a partner. I need a kid who's just the real deal. And Will was like, I got your kid. <laughs> and so... And so That's Brett cool. and so Will called me and he said, Seth, I think I got something for you, bro. And so he had us wow, meet up down cool. down in, in this loft in downtown. And I remember Bernard was me and Bernard were a package. Yeah. And we already had the name Crazy Town because we had gotten jumped into West Side Crazies. It's a whole other story. Oh shit, so, okay. That's where it comes so <clears throat> and that was like a, so we were like, if Dogtown is Dogtown, we're from West LA, we're we're Crazy Town. Wow. Okay. So I like that. So then um, we went in there and met with Brett and he played us all these, you know, tracks. And I remember walking into his loft and walking down. He had this long hallway and it was plaques. And I was like, I have finally arrived. This is the guy who can make my little rhyme book come to life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when I got in the studio, we all started recording. um, And Yomo Melki was another artist on. And so what happened is we started like a camp called the Seventh House. And... uh, It was uh, alphabet. There was a there. There was all 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 different MCs down there. You yeah, know, Divine Styler was kicking it with Divine us. Divine Styler, that's everlasting. You know, and uh, and it was just this creative place. You know, you have Will, you have DJ Motivate, who was kind of him and Will. Like Will learned a lot about production from him, Brett yeah. and Motivate, and that's where he, <clears throat> you know, he he expanded from being a great MC to being a producer and. Amazing what he producer. is now yeah. yeah amazing producer but that's kind of where it all happened you know wow. like and so we were kind of i was always a kid who was like partying yeah so like will would be in there digging through the crates making beats and i'd come in and i'd be like i am the vibe you know <laughs> so i'd jump on the beach you know and like yeah. i was like let's do this um but i was a little out of my mind you know like yeah. i was programmed Am I, am, am I rambling on? Here? No, that's okay. great. No. Like I was programmed by, see, when I, now that I'm older and wiser and I've learned like, you know, my mentality then was like that of a skateboarding little punk kid. Like yeah. I, I, I grew up like 
everything bad and everything wild and crazy is what I lived for. You loved like it, yeah. it was, it was, you know, all the things that I looked thrived back on it. I thrived on it. Yeah. You know, like going to the, you know, going down the fucking the hood to get a bag of stress weed was like, <laughs> let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like it was like I was fearless. I was wild. Yeah. And I actually fit in. It was like I never like I wasn't yeah. the kid who went down there and got jacked. Like I was the kid who, like. I was good at it. Like I, I was, yeah. So, I, you know, and I was programmed like it was MTV, yo MTV raps. Like yeah. I was that little kid, like, you know, they're here just like yeah. on MTV <laughs> and, and the things that were people destroying themselves. I just kind of like looked at it like, like this is part of it. Like it was yeah. like, it didn't scare me. Like when I like Sid Vicious, mm-hmm. you know, who I put on a pedestal, it's being this like belligerent, badass punk, you know, yeah. fucking, you know, fuck everything kind of guy, you know, and, and I get older and I look at it and I'm like, you know, it's kind of sad. It's kind of yeah. like there's the other aspect to it. But when I was little, I would like, you know, watch fucking Guns N' Roses destroying hotel rooms and lighting cars on fire. And I was like, that's what I want. Yeah, you love chaos. Yeah. I want the chaos. Like I want to get a record deal and fucking burn shit. <laughs> Toast out the window. Yeah, I want to fucking destroy shit. Like that's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, um, and also I, I mean, I really, you know, the craft, I really like, yeah. So like it goes on and on, but like there was moments like where I started elevating, like, and I was selling a lot of cocaine cause I'd gotten into West side crazies and I was kind of like immersed in the Hollywood scene. Yeah. So like the older guys were kind of like, I was like, you know, I'm not going to do drive bys, but I'll sell a damn load of cocaine. Yeah. You know, and so yeah. they would drop off like for a young kid, they're dropping off like bricks Damn. at my house, being like, "Do your thing, bro." Oh, so God. I'm going out to clubs selling dope to everybody, and I, I remember there's proper grounds who are my boys. I'm right? proper grounds. Yeah, yeah, proper grounds. I went on tour with great them group. too. Yeah, yeah, great stories. Me and Am would always follow them on tour and stuff. Those are my boys, and uh, so I'm out in the clubs. I was me and Scotty and. You know, we're climbing in the windows and getting snuck into clubs. We're like 17, 18 in all the 21 and over clubs. I remember when I was 18, I threw my own 21 and over club at Martini Lounge. I was like, I'm not old enough. He's like, who cares? Wow. And it was packed. Some young Hollywood, yeah, for sure. So like, I'm kind of like, and and me and Bernard, you know, we're those guys who go in and record one song and we got our band and then we party for like six months. (laughs) You know? And we're like... We're like playing it for everybody. Yeah, Everyone's like, this hyped. shit's dope. And we're like, if we could take enough time to make five, <laughs> then we're in there. Yeah, make a whole album and shit. Right, yeah. right. So it was kind of like that. And and basically. So you're like everywhere. Graffiti in the club, selling, working on and music. I remember, that's where I got the name Shifty. Mm-hmm. I was always like handing shit off. And, and my boy Country from Proper Grounds, Jimmy, uh-huh. he was like, what are you doing, Shifty? Uh-huh. And all of them started going, Shifty. And I was like, that name works. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I'm Shifty. So I, I but Onyx had that song Shifty too. Shifty, Shifty and that down, was my anthem, and obviously. Wow. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. So, there, I mean, fuck. Was there ever. So, up to that point, there was like nobody that was like laying down the law to you, like a, disno, like a person that was giving you discipline. You're, you're just your own was man out there, there in the streets. Or was there ever a person like um, that exists that you're like, you know. As weird as it sounds, is I had like my older homies. Yeah. Okay. Like father figures. And father things. figures, yeah. you know, like Eclipse. Eclipse, yeah. From Seventh Letter. Like he always looked out for me. And they always tripped on me because I was wild, but I was a little <laughs> too wild for my own good. You know, and then like the guys from Proper Grounds would like be like, yo, slow down. I'm 
Right. Mm. You know, so. You're super young, too, man. Fuck. Super young. And, uh, but I was, like, always killing it. <laughs> like, yeah. And whatever I did, like, I, I was doing, like, having fun, but I didn't, like, feel like I was doing something wrong. Like, mm-hmm. everyone's on drugs anyway. I'm just, right, right. You know, like. Yeah. Um, but what happened is, you know, you have a lot of drugs and then you start doing a lot of drugs and all of a sudden I'd be coming up short and I'd have to like jack this fool to make sure I paid back my boys. And so like, then I'm listening to like way too much, like Biggie Smalls and fucking never get high on your own supply. Right. Right. But (laughs) that was me. So because I'd go home, you know, I was partying with all these like girls and shit and I'm just, are you living at home too at this time too at this moment? Yeah. Yeah. Upstairs. I I had like the X rated Greg Brady room. Okay. Upstairs, your parents go, wow. Okay. At my mom's house. Damn. And, um, but you got to remember, like, as much as crazy we were, like, I had my little sisters, and like, right, we all yeah. smoked weed. It was a very stoner loving atmosphere. It wasn't like just dark. Yeah. Did they know what you were doing, your sisters? They knew you were up to? They would, they would, yes. They, they would know as they got older, but like, we would all, like, I was selling weed since I was real young. Yeah. And then the Coke was just like a secret or thing that I did. And the then, side um, kind of, and that became more, yeah. And then, like, around 18, my mom was like, you got to get the fuck out of here. Wow. Yeah. So she got to a point where this she is, was enough like, is enough. Not, yeah, you're not doing this shit in the house. Fuck. That was after, and I got, I, I got arrested. I was going to ask, you get arrested a bunch growing up? A yeah. lot. But then I got arrested. This is like a twist. So Brett and I are working on Crazy Town stuff. Yeah. And Bernard and I, <clears throat> there was some kid who was talking shit to like other girls and yeah. he was like a rich kid who was basically like giving away weed to all these customers of mine to be cool mm. and i was like this fool's fucking, fucking with your program bro. fucking with my shit so i was like <laughs> we gotta rob him damn so then like it wasn't like i was going to kill him it was just like a territorial like yeah. don't fuck with me thing so i robbed him a couple times and, and took all his weed yeah it was like don't fuck with me and and then uh, stay in your lane. And then one day, you know, I just was stupid. I like was like, if he's there, let's go. So my boy came by and was like, I'm going to rob these other kids. Damn. And it all went bad. So all of a sudden, we went and robbed these kids. I'm on the freeway, getting chased by like six cop cars. Oh my god! And, dude. and I knew my way around Westwood, dude. We got on the 405 and and we lost all the cops. We were gone. Holy so shit! So now they're really mad. Yeah, of course. And then the people I that the robbery happened with you know like bernard like it it, it got brutal like my yeah. boys did some things we didn't need to do i was more about intimidation factor yeah. but some people got smacked with guns and it was Damn. like it was it, it turned into a, a little thing turned into a big thing yeah and all of a sudden we're on the run so so Damn. the cops are looking for us my dad that sends me to sebastopol to build a pool with my uncle Bernard like goes <laughs> somewhere. Dang. The other kid we were with, Shorty, goes up to San Francisco. And it turns out the kids that we robbed, because they were some wealthy kids, the dad was friends with the mayor. Oh. And so the kids told him, these guys just came in to rob our house. And so it turned into a home invasion because Damn. it was really about weed. These yeah. kids were moving pounds. But they didn't mention that to their dad. No, hell no. And the dad's like, so people came into our house and hit my kid with a gun and blah, blah, blah. And like all of a sudden we're on LA's most wanted. Yeah. Holy shit. And we're on the news armed and dangerous. And it went from like, wow. It turned very and real. How old were you then? I'm like 18, 19. Damn, oh, that's an adult, legal adult. Yeah. 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 Probably 19. And so fuck. 
So we're like, everyone's like, get the fuck out of here. And so like we run and <clears throat> long story short, we book our first show at the, opening up for fucking Maxie Priest at the House of Blues. Maxie Priest? Yeah. Holy shit. And I was like. That's your and first show? And, well, it was our first Crazy Town crazy show. Town yeah, that's show. legit. And so me and, me and Bernard are like, should we go back even though we're wanted and Whoa. rock this show? And we had uh, oh we had giant records coming to see us. I remember giant yeah, records. Yeah, yeah. Dave, big Dave wanted to sign us. Wow. So we we were like, we got to get back. So we come back into town just to rock this one show. We're like, oh my god, out of our minds. And we killed it. We killed it. Everyone was there. Like <laughs> giant records wanted to sign us. Like whatever. It was Holy like a big shit. deal for us, right? And then we <laughs> we go to party at my house afterwards. And I remember. We went to 7-Eleven to meet my boy to get like an A-ball. And like we have all these girls in my mom's ass. Like we're, we're like celebrating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're celebrating and shit. And we go to 7-Eleven and we're in 7-Eleven. And like t- fucking whatever. A whole gang of police cars roll into the parking lot. And I look at Bernard and I was like, we're fucked. Holy shit. And, I, and they fucking draw their guns. Sure. And we walk out. And they're like, do you have anything on you? And I was like, I got an A-ball in this pocket. Holy and, shit. Uh, and we went to jail for nine felonies. Nine felonies. So we're oh. facing 15 years. Holy fuck. And somehow, <clears throat> the universe, you know, basically, How long you locked the, up no for? one got hurt that bad. Yeah. It was just more of a, uh, we were, <clears throat> I got, we both got bailed out. Okay. Yeah. Like a, a, but it was your first offense that. Was a, he got caught. Yeah. It was the first felony. You know, yeah, I, had, yeah. I had all kinds of graffiti right. little things, but like yeah. shoplifting, nothing of this that. This is legit, yeah. yeah. But what happened is, is the third one of us, this kid Shorty, turned out that his aunt worked with like one of the fucking OJ's lawyers. Oh, shit. And she was like, I'm not letting him go to jail and lose his life. So she stepped in. Okay. And basically Damn. saved our asses. And she went and got affidavits from every fucking little rich girl in Beverly Hills who had bought weed at that house. Oh, shit. And she went and proved that these guys were selling drugs and this was an argument over drugs. Wow. And then um, basically went to the parents and said, and the dad was like big in the community and whatever. Yeah. And she was like, I'm going to put this in every paper and yeah. and by that time, the mayor or whatever had helped in catching us, and he didn't want to be the guy who had helped mm-hmm. a drug dealer. Yeah. So basically, they sat us down in a room. We plead that shit down to one felony. Wow. And I got, I got a, I had to take a pistol whipping charge, and Bernard took a robbery charge, but it wasn't. Yeah. Our whole lives. Right. So basically, probation all that stuff. Bernard had some priors. He got two years. Oh, wow. And I got a 90-day observation at Chino State Prison with a five-year lid. Holy shit. Which is a whole other long story because I went and did my 90-day observation. I was like, I'm just going to mind my own business. Right. But then I get there and everyone's like, homie, nobody gets out on a 90-day observation. Like, you're you're doing at least two years. So I'm in there going, fuck. And the worst part is I fit in there too. I'm like lifting weights, kicking it, and like, (laughs) you know. And I was like, you were like 18 or 19 in there? Yeah, I was like, by this time, by the courts, I was like pushing 20, whatever it is. I'm in Chino. And the crazy part is, is they put me in like most ruthless part. They put me in the gym where 
you're mixed with everybody. It's in processing. Yeah. But since I got a job when I was in the gym, cause I was trying to do the right thing. They like lost my paperwork or they hit, you know, the guy liked me there and they kept me in processing cause I was processing everyone who came in. Wow. And so I almost spent my whole 90 days there. So they, I was supposed to be on the West yard, Damn. but I wasn't on the West yard and that's where they observe you. So okay. I'm like trying to be good and no one's even watching me. <laughs> So then finally they're like, yo, buddy, you're supposed to be on a different yard. We fucked up. And by the time they transfer me over there, I sit down with one therapist and she just hates me. And I'm trying to like see all the right shit. And I could just, I was like, this is not good. Damn. And anyway, there was a God shot and whatever. Long story short is, I, I talk about it in, in my documentary, but I, I, I got out. I, yeah. I got out on this 90 day observation, but that was a whole new set of problems because you take a kid who's partying and doesn't know how to stay sober right. and all these things and you stick them out with a five-year joint suspension with drug testing mandatory drug testing you know i had to call this number every night and they're like tonight drug test tomorrow morning and so like i did good for like three four months yeah and then i'm like and back then weed was a violation right. so so we're talking about like and and basically I realized like there's no way I'm going to do this in my lifestyle. Mm -hmm. And, and luckily I had like, I had another friend who was on a 90 day or, or had a joint suspension. She messed up once and she got sent for two years. Damn. And me, I messed up five years. You would go. I was looking at five years Damn. and I went in there and, and so I was, you know, I called the number and it was the one night I thought I just tested they're not going to do it again for a minute. Mm. Oh, and I man. call and they did it twice in a row. And I'm like sitting there doing blow going, I'm oh, fucked. Holy and shit. And so I, I remember I'd been up all night and I was like, I'm not going to run. And I went in there and I was like, help. And I wrote help on the page. And I said, I'm trying so hard to do the oh, right thing. And I, was, and I wrote this whole like thing. And wow. I gave him a dirty test and the guy called me in and he goes, you know what? I should be violating you right now. But since you told me the truth, he goes, no one has ever done that. He's wow. like, I've worked here for like ever. And he goes, if a kid's dirty, they run. Mm -hmm. And he goes, Damn. and you did exactly what you're supposed to do is be honest. Mm -hmm. And he goes, so I'm going to give you 20 days to get into rehab. Wow. And so I ended up going to Acton County rehab where I'm an alumni and I was the chairman of cocaine anonymous. Whoa. And, wow. Uh, I learned about sobriety. Yeah. So basically when I did that, Brett had gotten in trouble and I went up to, and it was the, like, it was so good for me to go up there because yeah. I, I, there was this prayer circle that like I got pulled into yeah. and I'd never really been too religious, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I got pulled into this prayer circle and there was something about the camaraderie, mm -hmm. these guys who had all, you know, there was people, it was a county rehab. So there's guys in there that are facing, if they fuck up, they're going back to jail for 10 or five. And like all yeah. these guys are fighting for their life and they have children and they're yeah. drug addicts who, you know. And so like, I heard these guys like speaking with such humility in, in this prayer circle and it was beautiful. And I remember every morning there was this guy, Virgil, who ended up doing some major time after that <clears throat> because he's, you know, it's hard to break that lifestyle. Yeah. But, um, so I, I started, you know, and I, I would get woken up every morning. He'd be like, it's time to pray, bro. And I'd be like, fuck it, I'm getting up. And it was just like this magic under the stars. And you got like, you know, people from all different walks of life. But there was just a bunch of like thugs who would like put yeah. their arms around each other and like say prayers for their family and whatever. And I was like, I'm feeling this. Yeah. So it like opened my mind into growing a little bit. Not that I grew enough to not. 
cause trouble for the next decade or two. But, <laughs> <clears throat> but I did find myself a little. In yeah. There, and I remember laying on the star, like the stars are so beautiful out there and I'd lay on my back. Anyway, by the end of the rehab, like I had kind of like blossomed there and, and, yeah. and I was like the chairman of Cocaine Anonymous and I like tattooed it on myself. Oh shit. So it was like, you know, so I was still bad. I'm like in the fucking room doing fucking tattoos with guitar strings and, you know, but anyway, so I was in this pressure. The, the, the point I'm making is by the end of the, the rehab, I was the leader of the prayer circle. Everyone wow. else had graduated and I'd go around and wake up people and be like, time to pray. And yeah. it was like, it wasn't, it just gave me like just simple responsibility. It was just like so cool yeah. to get pulled out of this club scene where I was in so much chaos to have yeah. like this other way to look at things. And, and, and when I was in there, like I remember talking to God and like talking to the universe or whatever it may be like, you know, I'm very like open-minded to spiritual stuff. Yeah. But I was talking to the stars and, and I was like, you know, I kind of gave up everything to do this music shit. It doesn't look like it's really working out, man. I was like, <laughs> fucking help me, man. Yeah. Help me, man. Like help me like pull it together. Like I know I'm good at this. I've studied it my whole life. Like, like this is what I want to do. Like help yeah. me. Like talking, just, just talking. Yeah. And, uh, I got out of there and Brett had gotten in trouble as well. Epic. He had gotten pulled over with like, our boy with a bunch of dope in the car and damn i was like we're gonna get sober and we're gonna finish a demo and we're gonna fucking get a record deal wow. and he's like brett's like let's fucking do it wow. so i got out and we had well we were high on you know brett did more meth i did more coke whatever meth was a little too fast for me and and uh <laughs> so we had met this guy while we were partying with this girl uh Susie sterling she she was like a wild girl like kind of Hollywood girl. Yeah. Anyway, we had met this guy who was a record exec who had heard our two songs. And he was like, what were the two songs? Yeah. There was a song called My Philosophy that me and Brett had done. You know, Brett was the producer of like the yeah. first Black Eyed Peas album, but we had gotten kind of dark in our partying together and uh, finding ourselves through drugs. And uh, <clears throat> so we had played these songs to this guy. It turned out he was the guy that was like the head of uh, A&R. A&R. A &R, uh, Trauma Interscope. Okay, Interscope, okay. And uh, Danny Ostro. Okay. Danny Ostro saw us and was like, these two kids got something going on here. I mean, it, it was like, we had a couple, they, they were not just like songs, like Brett's a fucking platinum producer. Like yeah. they were some dope shit. So we played him these couple songs. And so when we got together and said, let's just make this fucking record and like stay on our shit, he goes, I'll finance it. Damn. So he got us a little fucking office across from the rainbow next to Shamrock Social Club. Nice. And we stuck Brett's studio in there. Wow. And every day we recorded and uh, made a different song a day, which ended up being our first record. Wow. So we started recording and I remember we got to like nine songs and we kept <laughs> sending it to all the labels. And everyone was like, it's really good. You know, we like it. We'll Thank keep you. watching. Uh, but we yeah. Need more, yeah, they're like it's really good. We'll keep watching. But we need more. So we need more. <laughs> like and I started questioning my dopeness. I was like, bro, <laughs> maybe we're just fucking loaded. Like maybe we aren't as dope as we think we are. Now. You know, like yeah. like why the fuck? You know, now I know just like half the labels don't know shit. But it's true. Then then I was just young and just like I mean. And you I thought, were writing the lyrics and everything. Yeah, yeah, that okay. was my and and actually a lot of the lyrics I wrote. Well, I was in Chino. Okay. Wow. Right. So I had this rhyme book that we used a lot of the 
lyrics and there's funny stories about how I got the lyrics. Like there was this old guy, Dr. Ho his name, they called him Doc Holloway. And he was this 80 year old guy who was in there for pulling a gun because some guy looked at his wife the wrong way. Oh, wow. And he would like lean over and be like, he taught me a lot. Anyway, <laughs> he was my bunkie. He taught me a lot. So anyway. Um, was Crazy Town playing shows at that time too? You guys, when you got back out, you guys playing shows before the first album dropped? Like building a name for yourself and all I that? mean, we yeah, I mean, we had a name for ourselves, but it wasn't really for music. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> like we'd roll in the club, Street be like, shit. there's Crazy Town. You know, we'd do one or two shows and we'd beat up yeah. the sound guy because it sounded wrong. It was like, never went Fuck. really well. So, <laughs> but we, we weren't like, you know, I remember like I was selling drugs to a lot of like big musicians mm -hmm. and I, I know exactly how they felt. Like I have a lot of, like there's always the drug dealers, like I got a band too and you're like, whatever bro, just give me my shit. <laughs> you know, good man, I wish you luck. Yeah. So I'm like selling dope to like all these, you know, Jamiroquai and fucking Guns N' Roses. I'm fucking yeah. dropping off dope to all these badass motherfuckers, not to put you on blast, but whatever, no, yeah. we all have done drugs. Yeah. And um, <laughs> so anyway, like, and I'm telling him, like I remember like even like Mark McGrath, I'm like, I got a band. And he's like, good Seth, good Seth. <laughs> so then, so then all, yeah, Shrinky Dinks, who I did a, sh I mean, there's a show we did with Sublime Shrinky Dinks, Black Eyed Peas wow. and Crazy Town back in the day oh, for Pat Tenori of Ruka. Wow. So it was like, there's some old school shit. Like yeah. we were doing shows, but it wasn't like, right. it wasn't consistent, but also we're hip hop artists. So it's a little different. Yeah. Like it wasn't like we were a band yet. Yeah. Um, but we wanted to start the band. So anyway, these, these stories go on um, and on. But basically what happened is Danny made this thing and I had just been going through like some real shit. I was in fucking 90 day observation. I'm facing, I'm tortured by like the fact that am I going to go to jail for this three to five years? Right. And I'm recording this thing. I had just gotten a little bit of peace from going to rehab and I meet this girl. Uh oh. Uh oh. And <laughs> it's always the girl. I move in with her. She's a little younger than with me. I move into her mom's back house. And I'm playing her the songs. And I remember we wrote this song called Revolving Door that I'd written while I was in rehab. And she was like, yeah, it's great, Seth, but can't you like write a nice song about girls? Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I can. I was like, I grew up on LL Cool J. I could do that. She's the lady we were talking about. Who's right. the lady that gets songs for? Yeah. And so uh, All right. I, I, she, she would always go off. She was working as a model. And I was kind of like a broke, like bad boy that she was like taking care of. <laughs> and so like my thing was I would always like get her little like butterflies. That was like, yeah, I couldn't buy her the things I wanted to. So like it was my thing. Like I would always get her butterflies. Like, I got to go to Chinatown, get her butterfly kite. So I, I remember I wrote the lyrics and I was laying on the bed and, and I was like, what am I going to call this song? And I like just looked around and there was butterflies everywhere. I was like, damn. And so I went up to Brett. I was like, we're doing a song about my girl. And he's like, fucking great. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, really? Really? He's like, like set. Oh, and I was like, it's got to be. <laughs> and like, we're hip hop kids. So like, yeah. you know, like, it's, it, it's weird because when you, we're, we're hip hop kids who wanted to make rock music. Yeah. So like doing a sample for us was like, everybody samples. Yeah. Right. We were hip hop kids. Yeah. Right. So like, Chili sample. right. So when I told Brett, I said, bro, the vibe has got to be like under the bridge. And by that time we had just like kind of broken our, our full Al Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, standards and like Brett had started smoking a little weed. Yeah. And so Brett's like rolled a joint and he took mother's milk and he went downstairs to the car to smoke a joint. And he said, I'm going to go figure this out. Damn. And Brett went downstairs and he listened to mother's milk and pretty Great little album. Diddy came Great on. Album. 
Pretty Little Diddy came on. Yeah. And he came back upstairs. He's like, I got it. Wow. And he found that loop. And right there, you know, threw it in the SP-1200. And I had, you know, the first verse. And we, we wrote the second verse. And we just, literally, that song came together in one evening, you know. Mm -hmm. um, Do you have to get clearance for that, too, from Chili Peppers? Yeah, that, that's, back, back that story's beautiful, too, because... Then we put, then th we had that song. Okay. And it, then, it yeah. ended up on, our demo ended up because we're friends with Orgy and everybody. Yeah. Like, I guess Korn heard it. Okay. And Korn had our demo. And then we found out Korn's listening to your demo before they go on stage. And wow. I was like, what? And then we were with, there was the supermodels, which is like Ashley Hamilton and, and, and Jay Gordon and Scott Weiland. And we were recording, uh, and they called us down to the studio. And we played Scott Weiland, Butterfly. And he wow. goes, this is fucking brilliant. So he, Overnight, you know, we made these nine songs and this one song about my girl Damn, started man. like getting it. And, and Scott called and said, I want to sign you, took us out to dinner and said, I want to sign you to my new imprint on Flip. And then Corn uh, called us and said, we want to sign you to Elementary. Wow. And uh, then it hit Hit Magazine and it said new band buzzing. These two Damn. bands feud over it. One fucking song. One song changed everything. And then all of a sudden, the big boys came in. Okay. And we're getting called into DreamWorks and we're sitting with Geffen. And then, you know, like Donnie Einer calls and says, don't you sign a fucking paper till you fly to New York and meet with me. This is it, and, and then um, we go to clear the sample and <laughs> we sent the song to Q Prime and they played Thanks, it man. for the Peppers. And we get a call back and he goes, uh, Cliff and Peter say, you know, not only have the Peppers never cleared a sample. Because everybody who wants to sample the Peppers takes one of their hits mm -hmm. and wants to take like something that was a hit. And this is the first song that not only do they love the song, but they agree that this is how sampling should be used. You didn't pirate like one of their wow. their hits, but mm -hmm. you did it creatively and you took an interlude and you made it into something special. Awesome, and man. they respect that. They think you did a sample in an artistic manner. Right. It's it's so awesome. the, not only are they going to clear it and not only are they only going to take a third but they want to take you on tour and we want to manage you. What? And that's so like we got ultimate. To, and so that's we got picked man. up by Q Prime. The Peppers took us uh, all through Australia. Jeez, we did a big day like out. Flipping. We really moment. lost our mind. So at that moment, Jesus like when you're like, this is all going on, had you started like using or were you like mildly? No, no, it? I was were trying with all my heart and soul right. to be sober. <sighs> because I was like, this is it. Pull it together, Seth. Yeah, Seth. yeah. You know, I I knew I knew it was a special moment, right. you know. Yeah. But then <laughs> But then, you know, yeah. we're getting offered all these record deals and then like we had to use there's personal relationships and there's business. Yeah. So Brett's dad who had done more of you know, Brett had been in the game for a while, sat us down and said, you know, you guys can sign to an imprint that's through the label that's offering you a massive deal or you can go direct to the label. You know, and we're like, but it's corn, it's Scott. Yeah. Right. And he's like, man, Donnie Einer wants to give you as big of a deal as corn has. Right. Fuck. Like, and so we went and we sat down with Scott and them and we said, we respect you, we love you, and we're gonna not, we're gonna so, pass, not because we don't right. love you guys, yeah. but because this is, we've waited our whole life for this and we have to take the best deal. And they were like, we understand. Wow. So, so then we uh, were between DreamWorks and Columbia. Great place and uh, <laughs> and they had just signed Buck Cherry and like they took us in there and Brett's dad sat down and said DreamWorks although they have more money they they were kind of saying 
we'll give you whatever you want, which is like fucking finding like a lantern on the beach. And <laughs> like, like, well, what is your wish? Because they were ready to spend big dough at those times. They were just yeah. basically buying. Yeah. They wanted all the hottest new acts at mm-hmm. that time. So they, it was like they had, they had movie money. Yeah. Then you have Donnie Einer who's like, I'm not going to give you what they are going to give you. <laughs> so I'll just tell you that now. Up. Yeah. He goes, but I will promise you one thing. I've been doing this. This company has been around forever. They're not proven. We don't know if they're going to go under, if they're going to be able to pull this off. And I promise you, I'll make you guys stars. Damn. And we went back and I was like, everything, big, huge. I was gonna ask for like I want health insurance forever. Yes, you know I was like I was like I was yeah I was I was and they probably would have done it. They probably yeah fuck I should have. That's amazing. You thought about it back then, bro. Like yo, I will ask for that if that. Yeah, I was thinking. I was thinking like after we all that shit. Yeah. Damn. Forever. So. So, you know, we did this the more safe thing and we signed to Columbia Records, which was an honor and and amazing. But then, you know, lots of shit happened. When you sign to a major label, you know, basically we were left with a label who's used to making these pop fucking monsters. Yeah. Right. And we were so like not used to this like yeah you know i feel like we made a lot of bad decisions and we learned a lot yeah mm-hmm. and we also got extremely lucky right mm-hmm. but basically you know we went in there and we said this is the only song like this on our record if we sign to you for less money we want to be able to put two heavier singles out first yeah oh first All so right. that's why we put out toxic and dark okay. side first they you know the other labels wanted to go directly to butterfly yeah right. And we were like, well, the rest of our record isn't like that. We went into the Ozfest for two years. It's cool you come with Alcoholics on there, too, only when I'm drunk. Yeah, yeah. We got awesome. to do the Loud record with the Alcoholics and tour with the Alcoholics. Yeah. I mean, we toured with Run DMC. We did, we did amazing things. Like, like, it was a dream come true. Yeah. And at the same time, I st- my girl, I went on the road and I had to pick. Am I going to keep this relationship? Uh. Because she started, she relapsed while I was on the road. Oh, wow. And all this stuff happened where I was like, why can't I have the girl and the deal and the dream come true? And it's just not like that. And things fuck up. And so I ended up getting heartbroken. My band was partying and whispering in the other room like, Seth's sober. Don't do blow in front of him. And it's just like I'm reading my big book, like sticking my nails into it, like fucking... Like, just like I was like a demon reading my little book in my bunk. And then my girl, like, ended up doing some stuff that Damn. broke my heart. And I was like, okay, you want to see what happens if I party? Fuck. And fucking just fucking relapsed. And we ended up getting kicked off of Ozfest. I mean, you got to go hard. Oh, really? I got arrested in North Carolina throwing a fucking chair through the window. Oh, you know, yeah. Classic shit. You know, fucked up. It's like back in the day, you know, you'd get, you know, like fucking praise for doing that shit yeah. but by the time i did it people were like he's got a problem right yeah you know like times change and was the, people weren't the ready single, like, just smashing right point? then like, no this is before, before we that. dropped butterfly yeah Jeez. that's right it had, okay so yeah. then i'm right. smoking crack on the bus with like a bunch of fans and wow. the band is like seth has lost his mind plus they had like i got a huge prescription for xanax so i'm like on so many xanaxes i've become like like i don't even yeah. know what i'm doing right and I like lit the bus on fire because I fell asleep and the torch like lit the back lounge on fire. And DJ AM, who's, you know, our DJ, has got 
eight years sober, he comes down, he goes, Seth, I fucking love you, but I'm fucking bailing. He goes, I can't deal with it. And we have James Bradley Jr., who who was in our band, who had yeah. you know played on Checkerhead and Mary's Danish and all that, and he had twenty years sober, and he's like he's like shifty, pull it together, baby, you know, pull it, you know, and 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 I'm like, basically like you know I was fucked up before I got the record deal, yeah, and yeah. now like I have this fucking shit, and then basically the band just goes, the band breaks up, basically they all leave Ozfest before the shit comes. And I'm like, I'm not leaving Ozfest. And I'm like rolling with fans. Like Sharon would catch me backstage eating and be like, you are a crazy boy. You remind me of someone I know. You know, like um. she was, and Sharon was really cool to me, but I was like, I'm finishing this tour. Fuck this. My band's going home. I ain't fucking shaking. I ain't no quitter. And this is you out there. Just me with a fucking backstage pass and an attitude and a bag of blow. But, uh... <laughs> Holy fuck. You know. And so then, and then. <laughs> so then I go home and fucking I get a call from Donnie Einer and he goes, you fucking idiot. He goes, I signed this band for this song Butterfly and now you're going to tell me that I can't put it out. Fuck that. Right. He goes, I'm going to put this song out. He goes, he goes, let me make you a deal. He goes, Seth, can you pull it together? He goes, I'm going to give you 90 days. And if you really want me to push the button. I'm going to push the button. He goes, but you got to promise me you'll pull it together. And I was like, I promise. Damn. And I went to the fucking coffee house on Sunset every day. And I fucking did my steps. And I went there every day. Damn. And I went to the gym. And that's why I look like a Biff in the fucking butterfly video. But I, <laughs> Jack. Yeah, <laughs> like I just fucking worked out and stopped my crazy head. And I went to AA meetings every day. And he goes, you're going to do a showcase for all the guys, people at Columbia at the Whiskey. And that's why that place is very sentimental to me. Yeah. And he goes, and I'm going to decide if you're ready to put out this song. And I rocked it. And he called and he said, let's go. So the band got back, like, all the people that were in it? or did Everybody was back as soon as I put okay. it together. Okay. It was kind of like, they were okay. like, if you don't die right now. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> 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 you know, so, you, so once they realized that. Right. I didn't die. Right. They were like, okay. And the showcase no one wanted to throw it away. Amazing. Showcase. Killed it. We killed it. And then, you know, he gives us a ridiculous budget to go make the video. <laughs> and I'm newly sober and I just like watched What Dreams May Come. Oh, and shit, I called yeah. my management and I was like, here's the idea. I want to be in that painting. <laughs> and I was like, because people look at us like we're such monsters with all our tattoos. And if you put us in that painting, we're going to be beautiful. So my vibe was like cool and like earthy, but then my my manager calls me and he goes, "Check this out, bro." Not only I went and looked for a special effects team, he goes, "I got the motherfuckers who did the movie." Oh wow! So we got the exact people that had made the special effects for that painting, and we went in. I told him my vibe and like I was the guy who like didn't let them come up with the treatment. Right, right. But I was like, "This is my vibe," like, and so. We did it, and there's things, it worked. People all around the world loved the video, and at yeah. the same time, there was a cheesiness to it that made me cringe. Right. Um, but it worked. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. So, like, that's one of those things, it's like, you have a vision. My vision was a little bit more like it's a sublime video, mm-hmm. but it had this gloss on it that, like, yeah. I didn't expect, but it was still beautiful. So, basically, like, there's some things, like, I know why motherfuckers were like, I hate this guy. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of yeah. guys were like, didn't know the backstory, 
Like if they had known my backstory, they'd have been like, "This motherfucker deserves this." Yeah, you know, yeah. this motherfucker fucking fought for this, like you know, tooth and nail. But yeah. they just saw this like thing, and and it had a little bit of like a fucking cheese thing on the back end of something amazing. Yeah, that that some fools were just not having. So, but everyone else loved it. Fuck so like, fuck mad. those fools. Yeah. So. <laughs> No, so no, anyway, I, I I was definitely one of those fools, you know. Yeah. Like, I was like, you hating, I, bro? No, I mean, it was just like the video itself. I was just like, I didn't get it, but the way that you explain it now, it makes perfect sense. It does make sense. sense, yeah. The song itself was like already in my head. I didn't have to buy it or anything. 100%. Right. It was just like, boom. So I was like, damn. You know, musically, I wasn't hating on that. I was just nah. like, And the song was cool. The song's still cool. The song is But, but song. that video had a little bit of a little bit too much of a gloss where fools were like, I don't know about these fools. Yeah. Right? But, 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 right? Now it, but, it's but if we had made the video for two grand, it would have everyone would have loved it. Because yeah. we were doing Butterfly on OzFest before it came out and uh, all the hard kids were at the front singing the lyrics. Wow. But then the okay. video came out. But then, you know, every motherfucker who didn't listen, this is what, what was cool about it. Every person who didn't like tattoos mm -hmm. fell in love with tattoos. Right. Yeah, Every true. commercial person, it actually did a lot to blow up that genre of music. Culture, it really yeah. crossed over to people that would never Absolutely. have liked, you know? Yeah. And so, but at that time, people weren't ready for it. See, now, like Machine Gun Kelly or Post Malone crosses over, and everyone's like, whatever. It's true. okay. No, you're yeah. Back then, right. they were like, I don't know what to think about this. This metal true, band, true, this metal band. So I'm kind of like the first motherfucker, like, you know, great point, man. That yeah. that crossed over in that way, but the world wasn't ready for it yet. Right. Because it's singing. I mean, the world was ready for it, but the music community wasn't ready for it. Right. Like as much as like the hardheads who yeah. who really matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the motherfuckers that I was really right. Yeah. Had a hard time digesting it, but also it was so massive and catchy and whatever. A lot of fools were like, massive. "Whatever, get yours." But right. was, you know, after yeah. a while, you know, there were there was people that were down for it. There but was it just, really fit the time. For you know, like that yeah. time period when I hear it, I'm like, it brings you back. Like, I remember what I was doing. 2001, kind right? Of, you know, yeah. like at that time period, like it really captured the moment of that time yeah, period. Yeah, for sure. At and, least for our generation. I, and I found in life, you know, like they're like perfectly unperfect type, you know, like fucking life, you know, like we hit the lottery with that song. And like, you know, and then following up it up was a fucking nightmare. This is right. my next question. The pressure all, of that, yeah. yeah. But I think we 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 self destructed. Right. You know what it's happened was I was so like fast. it blew up, and all fast. of a sudden, like overnight, and all of a sudden we went from Ozfest, and then we have the whole Ozfest crowd, and like we're homies with everybody on Ozfest, and so I got like Black Label Society and the guys from Slipknot coming out on stage because all of a sudden all the girls are screaming. And the guys were like, boo. <laughs> haters. Right? Haters. I mean, there was guys who were down, but I just well, looked I at the guys who I was like, this is fucked up. Right. You know, like, it, <laughs> right? And so, so then we went from that and we're number one on TRL. And we oh, go in nice. all fucking loaded on blow and take off our shirts and have the girls pulling up their tops on TRL. And like that TRL wow. footage is fucking priceless. Like they, excuse me, that's. I remember you always, you always shirtless. <laughs> but mad people got those stars too yeah it was, it was time so anyway it was yeah. like it was like be careful what you wish for the right. shit blew up you know I was super happy I got my plaque that when I was little I was like one day I'm gonna have one of those you know right. it was a magical moment and then it just kept getting bigger right. and bigger and I was like stop wow and it got to a point where I was like 
you're going to make us into everything I cringe at. And I had no power. I'd signed that dotted line. I had made the yeah. video. They had put the shit. And so by that time, I was like, this is fucked up. Everyone doesn't understand who we really are. And you fucking, fucking tainted our identity. And fuck this. I'm going to crawl into a cave and overdose. Wow. So I was kind of fucking hurt. Yeah. Did, did, uh, did, yeah. did Habit Fast Forest fin- Finance do all that change really fast for you too? With the record sales and all that, just absolutely, everything. bro. It was fucking it's, insane, dude. Fuck, man. You know, like I'm a I'm a kid who like sold dub sacks, and all of a sudden, like I'm getting fucking twenty five k a night to play a show. And nobody ever tell you how to like, manage money or to do it. No, I no. told my yeah, it's it's fucked up. Like I got robbed. I got this. Right. Whatever. I had these money managers who I basically just fucking like bullied. Like they were like, right. Like I Give bullied. Me money. Yeah, yeah. I was like, they're like, I was like, I want to hire Max on my ATM card. Because I'm doing more dope than that a day, and oh, and man. I need someone at midnight to make sure it refills, you know, like Damn. and so like at the end of like my chaos when I had a moment of, you know, sanity, I said, "Where the fuck is all my money?" And they sent me this fucking. I wish I still had them. <laughs> they sent me this fucking pile of fucking receipts. And if you look at the times. I would be waiting with like a bunch of kids like ready to keep partying by the ATM and at 1201 every night I'd take out three grand and at 1201 I'd take out the whole other three grand. So it's like, they were like, dude, you're a monster. This is where your money went. And fucking, but then, you know, I go over it and I realize no, there was some people taking money too because I was spending so, like there was a lady who did a bunch of shit but then I signed papers when I switched accounts. Like they always watch your back. Accountants can rob you. They're like, this kid's fucking gonna die any second. Let's keep some of this you know but anyway Christ did you own a crib you buy a crib with it or something uh no no but I remodeled a couple cribs that okay uh, I was renting holy turn this one crib that in, into a so you were buying uh, into like cars a castle um you were buying watches and cars and getting crazy no I was I was I was buying watches <laughs> and cars and I was like thought I was Elvis I was giving them to people I was like you like that here bro like it was like so that, I mean, there was never like, so you never got back around to like that crew that you were with while you were locked up or like doing. No, no, know, I, like I, I all of a sudden I was around a bunch of fucking fake motherfuckers. Yeah, like oh, vampires. Yeah. Then we had already gone to like. Th- then we're faced with the decision of how to follow it up, and I was like, we've already yeah. gone to pop radio. Yeah, so you Hard, know, man. And the band's like, we're gonna make the heaviest record of our lives. Like the <laughs> Opposite. <laughs> And I'm like, dude, I don't know if that's the move, dude. Like, the, the heavy fools are right. booing. Yeah. Like, we might as well become, you know, no right. doubt. Yeah. yeah. Like, let's run with this. Yeah. Like, I can write butterflies all fucking day long. <laughs> you know? And the band's like, oh, hell no. No more but No butterflies. Dude, totally opposite. Damn. So, like, we spent, like, a half a million dollars the with Howard Benson. Cool. making Howard Benson. A, I worked with him. That's right. I love Street. Howard. That's Casey Howard. Did yes. And, 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 and Mike, Mike just did my new record. Okay. Yeah. Fuck. Mike Platnikoff just did the, at, at that studio. Oh, he's still with him, right? Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah, okay, Mike's okay, over okay, there, but he's okay. producing. And so I played. Okay. I, I went. I got back on stage in 2015 with Brett. We were, like, found some old fucking... This is all over the place. No, I, no, fa- I, I, I found some fucking. Uh, I, I found we found some old Crazy Town songs, and Brett was like, "You know, our fans really would like to hear something since we 
been in rehab for two decades and um, oh. we should release these. So then me and Brett hooked up and we made this record called the Brimstone Sluggers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We made this record. We didn't make it with the full band. We had them come in and play a guitar riff or whatever. It was more a hip hop record, but it's a dope record. But we made this, we ended up making a record. We got excited. We got in the studio, we made yeah. this record, got signed to a label that fucking dropped the ball in every way. And, uh, you know, we went on tour and I saw the beauty in it and Brett saw the dark side of it, which yeah. is like, it doesn't matter how big Butterfly was, you don't tour for fucking 10, 15 years and yeah. it's, you got to build it back up. Oh, yeah. So we, we showed up in a double-decker bus playing like venues that were too big for us in Damn. Europe and, you know, some of the venues were not packed. Right, yeah. But all of them had hundreds of people and I was like, this is dope. There's people all, every country in the world that still fucking love us. Yeah. Don't look at the empty seats. Exactly. Look at these kids who know every word of our music. Mm-hmm. And like we came back owing money. And <laughs> <laughs> so Brett was like, Seth, I'm making good money fucking doing fucking, you know, soundtracks and doing the music for Walking Dead and fucking, you know, scoring films. And I'm not down to leave my dog for this long. Right. You know, and I was like, I just woke up under a tree with a beard after fucking, you know, falling asleep. And I feel like I'm fucking 30 and this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my fucking life. So Brett was like, all right, bro. I said, I'm going to go out there and try to blow up crazy town again. And then when the fucking it's comfortable enough for you, Brett, you come back. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, I just went on a tangent and I went and I. By touring, I found this kid in Italy, and I found this kid, and they were all in these other little bands, and I fucking recreated Crazy Town, and I got these players that made me feel like I did when I was young. Oh, wow. And I put together this band that I love, and uh, you know, I found these just kids, and I brought them together, and we made this new record, and we toured. Basically, I did what I didn't do before we got our record deal. <laughs> I did that shit right before COVID. And for two years straight, I rolled around in fucking dirty ass buses all over the fucking world. And it was the best time of my fucking life. And I played wow. punk shows and I went to every little. I said, I want to play every dirty bar in the fucking world. Damn. And my agent was like, you sure? I was like, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I want to play every Viper Room in the fucking world. Mm-hmm. And I think I did 230 shows a year for two wow, years. Man. I fucking just... And, and fucking went out there and fucking the band got tight and you know and and we did it and we hit the same spots we came back around yeah and what was dope about it is whether the people were coming just to hear butterfly mm-hmm. they left like i had no fucking idea you guys are badass yeah because they saw the whole show and it was real and it was fucking like like we're not just like we're a band and yeah. like the band became more and more real over that time and I came back to the same places and we started selling out again and I started saying it's fucking working you know what I'm saying like everyone went and told their friends like dude crazy town's the homies so all of a sudden like you know we started like building up again and I got this feeling like dude I can make this work again it's not like it's not gonna be all fucking like you know you know limos and rainbows but it's fucking like it's dirty buses and I even like that more Mm -hmm. so basically like we made it work I had a bunch of young kids who were like, dude, I get to be in crazy town and be yeah. a part of like reinventing this band. And, and so we did that. And then I saved up all this money because I have like fucking debt issues that I'm fixing now. But yeah. Then I was like, am I going to fucking do something like I used to do? Or am I going to invest in myself? And so yeah. I fucking took this box and I said, you know, one of my favorite 
records we ever did was the Dark Horse record. Yeah. It was the heavy one right. <laughs> without yeah. a butterfly. Right. Right. And I was like, oh, you know, Howard Benson charged a fortune for that. Oh, sure. And Howard. I said, but that's my homie. So I called him up. I said, oh, Howard, I, I got these songs and I want to make a new record. Will you listen to it? He goes, come by, Seth. Damn. And I came in there fucking. I was like, I got this and I got these songs. And him and, and Mike listened to him. And Mike and Howard, he was like, listen. Mike's stepping out, doing his own thing, and he wants to do the record. And Mike is, and Howard are a team, so I was totally like, a Mike's team. a badass. I was like, he's a badass. And he's like, so Mike said, these songs are fucking badass. And I gave him 40 demos, and he was like, I can't even pick which 10 Damn. we should do. And we picked 10, and we started making the record, and then COVID hit. So now I got this fucking, Damn. I got this record, and we're mixing it now, and and uh, I probably did another record over the since then. Since then, um, I have a new band that I'm doing with like some of my boys called Numbskulls. That's like on some next shit. And I got a new Crazy Town record that I love, and that, that's with this new band. And Brett actually, we put out it's a couple songs on YouTube that were like kind of not the the biggest songs on the album, but I wanted mm -hmm. to put out something. Yeah. So there's like a song called Life I Chose that we put out, and there's a song called Fly Away that I wrote about my my best friend Bernard passing away. It's kind of special because I had his son sing the hook on it. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so we put those out, and then I realized, like, I got to figure out how this world works, like, because they, yeah. Yeah. they've done decent, yeah. but, like, and so, like, I've, I've, I've been talking to some labels, and now I, I got an investor, and I'm going to do my own label, and I'm going to get That's an imprint, cool. and I'm going to put out the shit, and for the first time, I'll have creative control, and, like, nobody's going to make a fucking video that I don't think is perfect, and nobody's going to, like, force me to do anything, and yeah. I, get, I get to, uh, you know, at least, like, you know, obviously, I'm older now. I want to sign bands. I love music. I want to be part. I want to produce bands, and, and, and I want to... Uh, you know, the final chapter or whatever from this point forward, I, you know, I would love to just like define what crazy town really is. Yeah. And, uh, and have fun. You know, yeah. I don't do this shit. You know, it's always cool if you can make some money, but I do it cause I love it. And, uh, it, it you know, I ain't going nowhere. Dude. I'm going to yeah. keep making fucking music and, and I love my band. And the cool thing is somehow, the fucking song hasn't gone away. Like, crazy. Fucking has stayed around. I love the remix. I love the remix. It just came out too. Yeah, and, and that was like that some was cool, off though. the... But you know what that was? What Somebody was that? like, dude, there's this kid on TikTok who redid your song. Uh, Echo. 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 Badass, right? I like, I like the True Romance yeah. reference you put in there, though. Yeah, yeah, My yeah. favorite movie. Uh, you love, dropped it love, in love that True Romance. And basically, it was a kid on TikTok who flipped it, See? which TikTok, was an... TikTok, Kobe. They did. Yeah. Yeah. I know, bands. Like, they redid your so, bands. And so, like, I, I just covered one of the homies' songs, and he's like, I'm not clearing it. And I saw this young kid do a version of our song, and I said, that's what it's all it was about. dope. Right? So I just, instead of, like, I just said, you did a dope job. If you want me to jump on a verse, I'll do it. And, so and you it, did, it's awesome. And I just jumped on a verse. I figured, you know, I, like, I love that, you know, and then I watched the crowd, like, all these young kids mm -hmm. are not the kids that didn't know how to process us. The younger generation is like, my mom always played that shit. I love Crazy Terror. Yeah. Right. So now I have this opportunity, and, like, so we're doing songs. Like, the band is these young kids. All Everyone in my band is 10, 15 years, ask, 20 years have, younger. Right, right. So, like, we're reinventing Crazy Town and keeping true to our roots, but, like, the sounds, like... I'm experimenting with like who would want to make the same record over and over again. Yeah, I don't do that. So like I'm evolving and I'm doing my thing and you know, uh 
if, if it's dope if I say it is. Yeah. It's just kind of like I'm just following my heart, doing what I like. I, I love what I do, and I just got to stick true to that. Yeah, the new and, verse, the verse you put on is awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. On the brother. remix, yeah. And, and the new record is like, you know, we're doing some shit, and it's 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 heavy, it's it, it's melodic, it's cool, like. But you know, I'm not afraid to like be experimental. I love all kinds of music. Yeah, and, and you listen to new shit too. Keep up with yeah. hip hop and stuff. Yeah, I do. And yeah. a lot of the young kids, you know, like right. you know, are showing up at our shows, and I'll be like, oh, okay, all right. Yeah. So I'm seeing all this younger, you know, and then they come and they're like, these motherfuckers kick ass, yeah. you know, because it's not like we're a novelty band. You come here, butterfly, and you like leave with your girl and go get drunk. It's like you come and we'll rip your face off. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> and 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 I believe in us as a band, not not as as me me like financing my life off of being a novelty like fuck that i'm gonna make the biggest songs of yeah. my life right now is, is it, it, yeah i want to say gift and the curse but like having the one big song that changed your life and that's the one some people know it's it's it's, it's amazing thing because it changed your life at the same time is it you get you get frustrated about it sometimes because you want to have did you want to have more i'd be songs? lying if i said it didn't but also like yeah. there's little things that like saved my <laughs> so that song <laughs> came out the band broke up right and then I get a call, or I went into a club, mm-hmm. and I, I ran into Paul Oakenfold, and then I yeah. wrote this song, Stry a Surprise, and his record had everyone, all my idols, fucking Perry Farrell, Bono, fucking, yeah. you know, Ice Cube, fucking, it, th- this was this record done by Guy Osiri, and he asked me to be on it, because Butterfly was out, I just wrote one song, you know how they said, no more butterflies, <laughs> so I wrote one kind of like it. <laughs> On the Paul Oakenfold record. And okay. they're like, I was like, you want to do this with me? They're like, no, nah, Seth. And then I wrote that one song, and that song saved my fucking ass. That song took his record from 150,000 oh, to right. a million. Reading about that. So yeah. that was like my second hit, yeah, at least. Was hitting oh, yeah, and you're right. the UK yeah. charts. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so yeah. That, that, that one charted. It wasn't, I mean, you can't be as big as Butterfly, but at least that right. song, like, I was like, okay, dude, you know what you're fucking doing. And right. it, like, gave me more confidence to... To, to just do what I do naturally. Like, I don't so need... Starry-Eyed Surprise? Starry-Eyed Surprise. That's it, right, 2002. So that, yeah, 2002, yeah. that song did yep. great. And you, and you know what happened with that song? Is Madonna and Guy Osiri called me and said, we want to sign you. So wow. then I did a Maverick. solo record, and then fucking Life's Fucked Up, and the second Happy my record... Happy Lovesick, right? Happy Lovesick came out, and the, I was ready to rock with that record, and I made that whole record in, like, my garage on, like, a Dell computer. It was nothing fancy. Damn. But Starry-Eyed Surprise was on it, so it, it did some shit, and that... That album did good, but you know what happened is the week it came out, Maverick sold. Oh, and Madonna shit. sold the label. So it wasn't even about Damn. whether or not that record was good. They dropped yeah. they dropped every new artist on the label except me because Starry Eye Surprise was wow. reacting. And then they kept their big ones. They kept Prodigy. They kept Deftones. Deftones yeah. But Guy was like, we're going to keep you. And then when we put it out, it went like top 20 in countries or whatever yeah. it did it. You know, I'm not a fucking chart guy, but I know that <laughs> it was reacting. Right. Slide, slide but I, ha- side, yeah. I had an office that had been, just been fired. There was no one to market Damn. it. There was no American right. thing. So like some of the European countries tried it. It did decent in some places. And then guy called me and he said, Seth, he's like, it's just a fucked up time, man. It's just mm, a fucked up time. Timing. This record, this record could have been huge if we had had our like everyone in place, but everyone was scurrying to keep their job and decide like, yeah. so, you know, but that's the music business. 100%. So, yeah. So, you know, like, but it, then Star Eye Surprise didn't go away either. And it fucking, like, all of a sudden it got a Coke commercial. And fucking, Damn. I'm running around buying Coca-Cola with money from the checks that say Coke on it. It was right. fucking, you know, it was like fucking, <laughs> Fuck. it was a fucking weird world. But I also, like, really Damn. beat myself. Like, I'd be lying if I said I, I, I had a lot of, like, relationship problems and, yeah. and things in my life and, like, 
you know, like uh, problems with my band and like problems with the people I loved and like feeling like fucking misunderstood. And I like really hurt myself a lot yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And uh, I tried to like run away from things I didn't like and, and somehow I lived. Yeah. And man. so now like You're I feel, survivor, man. I feel wiser and I feel like, um, how old like, are you now? 48 years old. Do you look so good? You just get everything. Everything that uh, you've, <laughs> Been through. You look so healthy. You look so good. Yeah, like you're for everything. You, you're aging. It's crazy, bro. You too. Yeah, but you, you look so. Young. I'm just saying though. Whatever yeah. you, you must drink a lot of water or some shit. But know. you know what they say, man. Like you saying. know the body. That I mean, our bodies age, but our souls. Like you know, know, like I'm still that kid. Man. I know you look right. young. I'm just saying for like, all the shit you've been through. Like fuck, and, um, dude. yeah, and I'm very grateful for that, man. <laughs> fuck. Still but get I, those looks, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very grateful to to be healthy and alive. And like I've lost so many of my friends. And like. You know, I don't know why the universe, like some people like have longer I mean, times on earth. Have you, have you learned to like maybe like change kind of the people that are surrounding Absolutely. you? Absolutely. That's what I circle. did. Right. I, I went through 15 band members. Right. And yeah. if motherfucker wasn't like my brother or I didn't feel like they had my back or they were like anything that made me like it's about me being with people I trust and that I feel like I have to surround them. And I also like yeah. in 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 after I died and I mm. and I was laying like. I like I I was in a coma. Yeah, right. You know, there's a lot of stuff that happened to me. I I talked to like crazy ass shit, but I I I I overdosed a few times, and there's some other shit. But literally died, right? Yeah, literally died. Yeah, like brought back, like fucking, you know, like you know, people die all the time. But I had some very close calls with death. Yeah, and then you get to see who's really there around your bed. Oh yeah, and you get to see those things, and and the friends that I grew up like Jesse. You know, a lot of them died, but like Mm -hmm. Jesse Phelps and like. Uh, Pasquale Rotella and, and, and Pat Tenori you know like those are the people that showed up in my bed and were like Seth you old fucking K yeah. and like those aren't the people I was calling when I was going through all my shit like I got lost in like all this shit right. yeah. and so like I, I re-identified with like who are my people and who are the people that are gonna who love me mm-hmm. you know yeah. just for who's Seth you know and, yeah. and I lost sight of that as well as I learned a lot like even now like to be honest like you know I've had amazing stints with sobriety and I've had great and then you know I'm that guy who brought people in who I see taking 20 year cakes and I'm still like gathering time and like I'm still learning and 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 now I'm finding out like you know that I have undiagnosed shit like I went into all those rehabs and because of map and buddy Arnold and music cares and all these things I was by being in a musician like I was kind of privileged. I got sent to a lot of rehabs. A lot of people don't get those opportunities mm-hmm. and they still didn't fucking work because I'm going in there and I'm getting misdiagnosed and they're sticking like now, like I'm looking into bipolar two and like yeah. whatever it may be. And it turns out if you fucking take antidepressants and you're that, it makes it worse. Yeah. And then like, I'm everything is moving so fast. Yeah. So I'm learning a lot about like what I need to be the best version of myself. Yeah. Um, and you had and, lots of therapy too. You've been to all kinds of therapy, right, throughout your life? Yeah. Um, not as much as I should have. Mm. I'm starting that now. Yeah. I've had, you know. I want to start it too, just for me, just because I have like, uh, my dad died when I was super young. My mom raised three boys on her own. I always talk about this on the pod, but none of us have gotten therapy. But I think it'd be, I think it'd be good for me to talk to somebody about it. Because I definitely have dad issues for that, for sure. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, and, and you know what? You know, like on another note, like, you, know what, <laughs> you, know, you know what fucking pisses me off? Uh-huh. Is you got the Screen Actors Guild. Mm. And they take care of their people, mm-hmm. and fucking music. What about music cares? 
No, there's music. Okay. Okay, okay. That's not the same thing. You're in yeah. fucking Screen Actors Guild. You got teeth problems. Yeah. You got this. Yeah. You need to see a therapist. They're paying for your shit. But musicians, they blow us up. We're in one of the fucking most crazy ass industries where you're, uh, you know, an entertainer and you're doing drugs and everything's right around you. And a lot of musicians don't get the fucking help they need. Absolutely. They don't. Yeah. And even, you know, music cares who does and they care and they try yeah, to help people. It's not enough at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Like I burnt my shit down into the ground where like, where like I felt like I was incapable of saving myself, right. you know, yeah. like I, and, 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 and I was able to, but like, it just makes me have have a lot of compassion for people who who st- struggle with you know mental health and addiction yeah. and so like I, I definitely want to dedicate a lot of my life into finding like programs and putting together you know charities and stuff like that as well that. um to help people like in similar situations and not just musicians like i right. watch i watch kids who come to la to be a fucking you know artist or whatever yeah. it's like creative people in general i don't give a yeah. fuck if you met a tailor whatever the fuck if you come to la and you get spun out on drugs there should be a place for you to go get help yeah mm-hmm. and i and, agree and, and and um you're here for a reason man for sure to help people man yeah and so so you know i i i, I want to like help as many people as i can i'm doing a documentary right now with my girlfriend nice um about your life uh about our life okay, and my yeah, life yeah. and 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 uh and i think it's going to move a lot of people soleil is so good at what she does and the i feel like dogs, fat, and it's like there's no one i trust more in the world to paint a, paint an authentic picture of what my journey has been like yeah you know and and not just like like i want people to see you know who i really am instead of shock value and so i'm really excited yeah. about this documentary um, it's exciting. I'm man. excited about new music and I'm excited to be alive. Yeah. Today is a wonderful day to be alive. Yeah, man. No doubt. I was like to have you here, man. This is, yeah. fuck, and as man. well as like, I, I, you know, there's a lot of people in recovery that like I, I've, 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 uh, respected and looked at and been like, why can't I get this thing? And, and, you know, um, I want to, uh, you know, gravitate toward those people. Yeah, and every, every day, every day is a new day. Right, yeah, every day is a new day. Not, not to quote POD. Every day is a new, new day. day. <laughs> Won't take it for granted. That's yeah. my son Max. Hey, what um, up, Max? How you doing? Yeah, so you, yeah, day to day, man. That's all it is, right? Yeah, yeah. and day to day, and and you know what? I will tell you though, like I'm 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 in a wonderful place, and I'm very yeah. grateful, and uh, and I'm excited about the future. And, yeah, I'm excited and, for you, man. And you know, I'm I'm. Uh, I'm stoked to have you in my house, man, just to meet you and talk to you and hear your story. Because yeah, we know so many similar people. We're so many different you know, group friends. You know yeah, I mean? I'm going to do like my own little dirty version of a podcast. I want to hear your story. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, you guys come on. Let, let me ask you the question. You should definitely do a podcast. I think it would be awesome, man. Yeah, it would be cool. You have a great voice, too. Be a your good voice, voice is voice. amazing. I, I know, it, dude. <laughs> soothing. Your voice is soothing, too. But um, <laughs> fuck, I was going to ask you some of the questions. Or would you consider yourself an optimist or pessimist? Optimist, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I can see that too. Yeah, I mean, you're fucking still here. You definitely fucking. I am an optimist. Non- yeah, your whole life you've been like that. Even the dark times. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yes. I, I would like to. Th- you know, I always like look for the light in any situation. Yeah. And um, you know, I I have. Uh, I'm very grateful. Like my my dad as well has a big heart. I have a big heart. Yeah. Um, that's been most of my debauchery and craziness has been me punishing myself right mm. you know me hurting myself and and in turn it has hurt the people i love yeah mm-hmm. but like it's not like i'm you know i've learned from like all the stupid shit i did when i was a kid like i'm wise yeah you know like i, I definitely feel like uh 
I'm alive. I'd love to just be that fucking cool cat telling stories, you know, on the mm-hmm. porch with fucking yeah. beaded tattoos and a beard and fucking <laughs> telling my grandchildren, you know, what yeah. it was like, you know, the, how many miles I had to walk through the snow to get to the studio and all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you've been through a lot, man. It's, it's exciting to see the next chapter good, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're all here for a short time, but I'm so grateful to be here and, and, yeah, man. And be able to be creative, you know, like what I create from this point forward is the shit I create. So like I'm going to pour my heart out into it and, you know, love love what I do and, and, and try to help as many people as I can live yeah. life, you know. Is there anybody you, you, you wanted to work with and you didn't get to yet? Like a dream collab or something? Oh, yeah. No, without a doubt. So when <laughs> when we were deciding who to make our record with, it came down to... Bowie. Go ahead. Oh, Bowie, come here. That's that's my baby. Um, I'm sorry, short. I still want to make a record with Rick Rubin. Oh yeah, and sick. So, yeah, yeah. Um, we actually almost did the record with him, and it didn't wow. work out because the band had different ideas, you know. And and so that's that's that'd be uh, sick. It's one thing I'd like to do. And Dre, Dre would be sick. If I could if I could roll out of here making one record with Rick Rubin and one record with Dre, I'd be the happiest guy amazing, in the world. Yeah. Or even a song. Yeah. Right. Let's, let's let's like make it more realistic. <laughs> Let's make it more realistic. If I could do a couple songs with each of them. Yeah. You know, but I, at the end of the day, man, you know what? Like, when I was little, like, I just wanted to do this thing and I've done it. Man. Yeah, man. I, I, I like, it, it, it's all like, from now on, it's, it, it's just like doing what I love because I remember like when I got a record deal, I was like, I'm going to get a record deal. I'm going to get a record deal. Fuck, I really got a record deal. Yeah. You know, it's like, I have had, you know, the good, the bad, all the shit that I've been through, it's all fucking worth it, man. And and yeah. and looking back, like all the things that have tortured me or been the worst things in the world, I really have learned a lot from them. So it's like, yeah, man. Life, oh, life, life, life is a beautiful yeah. journey. Yeah. And uh, and you know, so you get a good lady now, in a good place. You're you know chilling, live by the water. You're chilling. Yeah, I'm chilling. You, you, have, you have any top five MCs? My top five MCs? Uh-huh. Uh, absolutely. I, I know like East East Coast <laughs> hip hop too. Yeah. I would say um, Rock Him. Ooh, that's mine. Yep. Number, one. number one. Yep. Uh, and then I would get, I mean, a couple of my top MCs are unknown. Um, <laughs> I, I would say, uh, I would say MCA. Yeah, wow. And then I would say, Rock and, him, it's, MCA. and it, it's really hard for me to pick one of the Beastie Boys, Gangstar. Yes. The Guru. Obviously, oh yeah, um, who I have some great memories with and hanging out with. Damn, um, it's awesome. And then I would like if I wanted to put, I would say AC alone. Who was that? Freestyle Fellowship. Okay, Freestyle wow. Fellowship. Yeah. Um, Max, get her, man. Get Stella. Freestyle. I mean, Fellowship. how do you name five? I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lose this. Nas, Biggie, Tupac. Yes. Okay. Yeah, Here yeah. we go. That's a, that's a legit list. <laughs> Yeah, but rock him first. That's rock him thing. first. You know, like there's so many. I mean, there's 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 so many. <laughs> this is the dog Max, part of the. Get Stella, you know what? Like five is so hard because five I want to give homage to the underground cats. Yeah. And then you have your your cats that change. You know, your life who were massive and everyone might name. And yeah. Rakim is the one that voice flow everything. But then you know you got Grand Pooba. Mm-hmm. There, there's Ooh, a lot of Grand dope Nubian, MCs. Yes. Yeah, like that that. 
It's hard to name five. Yeah, no, man. It's hard to name five, yeah, you know? It's, no, he's always said Grand Poobah. That's fucking amazing. Red Man, Meth Man. Red so Man, I mean, Meth, Woo. I mean, how are you going to fucking right. see I'm overlooking Tribe, everybody? Lam. Tribe, I was going to say Q-Tip, you know? Yeah. Um, Even Cypress, bro. Fucking. I mean, how are you not going to say Cypress? You know, it's like, that's what's beautiful about music is A, you don't need to like my shit. There's people that do. Right. Yeah, that's why there's absolutely. different styles of music. Yeah, and if you are having fun and you're true to what you do, then you know, do your thing. I don't have to hate on you. I ain't judging somebody's music that I'm not feeling because I'm not one to judge it if it's not my thing. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I love about music. But with MCs, it's like there's so many amazing MCs who I respect because they're not like everyone else. Yeah. So it's hard to name five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's a great point. But uh, Q-Tip never gets mentioned in the top five, it seems. And Q-Tip's be, a you beast. Know I mean? You know, Q-Tip's dude. a beast. Yeah. Like you brought up Redman, you know, yeah, alcoholics. Redman's yeah. Like, like uh, you know, Tash, like, Jero, like there's so many great MCs, I, I, I love how Eminem always mentions Redman. I know. Five. And, and, and how about I didn't net mention Reggie. Eminem? Eminem, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's Fuck. like, I got, I have such, you know, it's like, and there's a lot of great new MCs, you know. Oh, so yeah. it's it's so hard to. Uh, I love J Cole. I love Kendrick. The I new love J. Yeah. I mean, Kendrick. Come on, Kendricks. Those two, like, fucking yeah. legendary. I know. But and J Cole's a bad motherfucker. But like, it's hard when they say your vet top MCs of all time. I automatically I go know. back to the old school. You yeah, know, like I, I go to, back right? to what my first KRS One. I mean, KRS One is on our first album. Oh shit! Really? He's on the first Crazy Town record. Yeah, B Boy Two Thousand. Wow. That's fucking dope. Yeah, KRS. I mean. That's cool, man. You can man. go on and on. Yeah, I mean, obviously, well, you Mad, Mad Lion and KRS. Mad Lion. Yeah. So, Damn. I mean, so we, we knew our shit from the beginning, you know? It's like... Because you have the East Coast and the, and the West Coast flavor because yeah. living out there, it's great, man. It's a great combo. I mean, Divine Styler's one of the dopest MCs out there. People mm. that are, are like... You sleep on him, yeah. Yeah, people sleep, you know? Everlast so, always mentions him. Yeah. And Everlast is no fucking joke yeah, either. Yeah, it's true. You know, he's done a lot, so it's like... You know, Muggs is one of the baddest ass producers in the fucking world. You know, it's like, don't forget about all these things. But, you know, just I could go on and on, man. I love so many many fucking artists and there's so many people that are dope. You know, Public Enemy. I mean, what the fuck? Like, Chuck D, fucking come on. Is there something? I mean, how about De La? You know, it's like fucking I could go on and on. Like, there's so many. Is there something that you listen to? You know, Premiere. Premiere. Alchemist. Mm -hmm. Is there some type of music or band you like that people be like, holy fuck, you listen to that? Something we would not expect me to listen to. I mean, I don't know what would you. Are you fucking with me? like mm. like Sade? I love you <laughs> some Sade. Sade all I love day, bro. Sade. Um, um, or like some pop music, anything pop. Um, well, you know what? I'd be lying if I didn't study like uh, Little Peep. Mm. All right, I'll Little watch Peep. That doc. That yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is is I heard Juice about World. Little Peep? I was like, cool. You know, d- d- dirty white boy tatted up, like drug addict. Let me look into this kid, right? The doc was heavy. Yeah, man. and then I watched the documentary. I was like, I fucking love this kid. And it kind of showed me, like, this kid, his struggle was different. It's like, this kid was making, he blew up out of a fucking computer in his bedroom. You know what I'm saying? He, like, made songs with producers he had never met, and it was know, just a man. different time. Yeah. And then he... When I look at how young he was Bro. and prolific he was, I was like, this kid was fucking special. I know. He man. was a fucking special thing. And and I'm open to like Juice World too, man. And Juice World too. It's a heavy doc too. And you know what's fucked up is me. Like I got to do so many drugs that it made me insane and whatever and like you know, and the other thing is fucking people like to single me out as being like this drug addict and it's like it's like homie like 
drug addicts have been around. Like these people that I I look up to were drug addicts, and they're not put like you know like Ketis is one of my biggest influences. Fucking you know like Wylan, like all these people. It's like it's weird. It's like it's people like judge because the drug you do all these motherfuckers did the same drugs I do don't get it twisted I partied with them mm-hmm. like you know I just was scared of heroin because I had so many friends die of it I stayed away from it yeah you know I like I is remember that the one thing you didn't ever done no I've done it oh, okay okay I, I've done it but I never let myself go down that path because yeah. I was like this shit will kill me it kills every person I love right. yeah so like I did I was like I'm gonna go with the coke thing not so many people <laughs> I know die from coke you know, but like, and somehow I lived. Right. Yeah, man. But then, like, all the people that you look at as heroin addicts, believe me, they had their fucking coke too, like the speedball and Iggy all, Pop, all day long. Yeah. Iggy Pop, everybody did all these things. Like, and like, I don't, that's another thing is like, I've gone through all this shit, but like, I respect all those fucking musicians' journey, and yeah. and I love to see fucking them get clean, and I love to see see them become like the best versions of themselves, yeah, and evolve, and the music they make once they get sober, yeah. and yeah. like, you know, like I, I I love music, and I and, and I love this world, and I love watching people grow, and, and yeah. like we're all here, like, you know, I'll tell you one thing: the motherfuckers you got to be afraid of are the people that never show what the fuck is fucked up, because we're all fucked up. Mm. You know the motherfuckers that are hiding it or doing some freaky shit. Yeah, you know, like so. Yeah, you know, man. like I don't mind putting my shit out there. You wear your heart on your sleeve, yeah, for yeah, sure, man. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and it's all good, man. But I'm so happy to be on on, on this. You know, I'm stoked to have you podcast. here, dude. I'm glad you thought of me. It's a fucking honor to have you in my you kitchen, know, man. It's an honor to meet you too. And fucking, it's yeah, a small world, dude. Like, it is a fucking small world. <laughs> I'm happy you're alive and you're here to tell your story, yeah. man. Thank you, brother. Because I, I think I, that I, struggle of like you know, like you said, everybody gets knocked down. You know, Facts. everybody, it's yeah. just really, really is that battle of getting back up. And that's, yeah. so and that's yeah. what defines really us. Really inspirational. That's what you. defines us. Right. And that's what I love, you know, inspirational for, for me, even though I, I, I never had like a drug life of, you know, using or anything, but it's inspirational hearing your story yeah, from you because, dude. you know, it's that, that battle of getting knocked down. You know, and being it, but what you do after you get knocked down, yeah, and yeah. that's what I'm. That's like, what defines you, right? You know? Exactly. The way, the way you act after you've no fallen down, right? You've gotten you up so many up. times, yeah. dude. Yeah. Fuck, absolutely. And believe me, not losing that fire to keep going, like, like that's been, like, believe me, like I got mad respect for the people who came into like the program. Let's just go there. Mm-hmm. Who come in and they blossom and they find a home and they don't fuck up ever again. Yeah, and then there are some people that come in that disappear, or there are people who don't get it, and I don't know, you know, why certain people can't get it, whether it's mental issues or whatever yeah. it is. You know what I'm saying? But like, there's nothing more, you know, humbling than walking back into a room over and over again after you're already beating yourself up and fucked up and fucked up, but there's something that makes me stronger by being able to do that. And yeah. I feel like my stints of sobriety, even though my journey hasn't been perfect, have kept me alive. And they've also like, I don't take away like, I don't take away what, like if, if I have four years and I stumble and then I get back up and I was like, fuck, I just found out something else about myself that I need to work on. Yeah. And then I get back up and I go for another three years. Mm-hmm. Then I'm not going to take away what I, those four years. No. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Even I might start my time over, but man, I've grown so much since I was the yeah. kid who didn't even want to get sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, you know, I'm on, 
this is my like I have my story and you have your story yeah. and it's just all about you know staying alive and growing as a human being and yeah man you know, so. right on yeah. fuck man I, I want to come to your 50th birthday party where, yeah, wherever let's that's going to be <laughs> let's do that we'll be fucking drinking some liquid death liquid death <laughs> I, I do birthdays. love the feeling of like liquid death is like I'm holding a beer I know it's crazy you know? bro because I don't want what the beer would lead to, but like holding this, like, yeah, fucking badass. Look at that fucking. <laughs> Yo, my fucking my mother-in-law was just here, and she took one to the grocery store, and they asked me if she wanted a bag, and she's like, "For what? I haven't bought any groceries." I said, "No, for your beer." She's like, "No, it's water." They're like, oh shit, they were, they were tripping. Yeah, I was in the studio store. the other day, and someone was like, "Fuck it, I'll have a beer with shift," and I was like, "This ain't a beer, bro." Mm. It's you so know, cool. It's so it's the marketing yeah. genius, man. Yeah, it's good. Any other questions you have, this young man? No, sir, I don't. Dude, thank you so much, man. I fucking this is awesome. And and thank so you. I, if I talk too much, you know, no, we, I love I so much talk. information. Good, no, I job. love it. Not at all. I'm still for your documentary, maybe like a fucking autobiography book someday or some shit. I definitely want to write a book. And yeah, dude. There's so much you can you can help so many people with your story, man. I know. You know what I mean? As yeah. we all, we for all sure. help yeah. people. That's what you know. It's all about helping people for all of us. Yeah, yeah man. No doubt. All right, well, well thank said, you, man. Thanks well for said. being I'm, here. Thank you. They can Pleasure. find you on the gram. Is it the real crazy town, right? The real crazy town on the gram. Really yeah. find you. Uh, New music coming. You have your own label coming. All kinds of shit's all coming. All kinds of shit's coming. I want to see you guys live, too. I missed that show. I saw you guys just play yeah, there. Please it looked come, awesome. Please yeah, come check I us out. I'd love to see you guys You know which live. one you got to see? What? We're doing the 50th anniversary of the Rainbow. Oh, oh shit. Wow. And uh, we're playing, okay. you know, Orgy, Seal Panther. Shit. Is that soon? What's the date on that, you know? I can tell you the yeah, date. Tell me the date, yeah. Let me look real quick Yeah, I want to pull phone. up to that, man. That'd be That shit's sick. in. The, they're yeah, blocking yeah. off the street. It's going to be oh, it's off gonna be the outside? Hook. Yeah. Oh, oh shit. Nice, it's going nice. to be fucking dope. Damn. And it is. Why can't I That's find That's kind of cool life? you're doing this. Right near your stopping grounds when you had that spot by Mark Mahoney's. Exactly. Fuck. So anyway. Shout we, out to Mark we, Mahoney's too. Shout, yeah. Shout out to Shamrock Social Club. Cody Mack. And we will be playing live at the Rainbow 50th anniversary on Sunday, April 24th. Oh, shit. You'll be on right. tour, son. I'll be here, though. Oh, no, shit. I will be here, mister. Yeah. Dude, yes. thank you for sharing your story, yeah, man. Yeah, please so, come down. And the doc will be next year, probably. You can get up and do Butterfly with me. Oh, there you go. Let's, you know, let me see Let's do it. <laughs> Let's rock that shit. You heard it here. <laughs> oh, shit. It could happen. All right. All right. Thank you, brother. All right, brother. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to the next one.